Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Sports Fixins Podcast. I am Michael Dion. Alongside me is Justin Minkley, and a busy, busy RJ Larson is back. RJ's here this week. Hello, RJ. Woo! Hello, Mike. Hello, Justin. Thanks for having me back again. Yeah, sorry. Being busy pretty late between athletics and a lot of games happening and stuff. And obviously, you know, got all of schoolwork and stuff still, but... Just got one semester left in my undergrad and then one year for my master's degree, mm-hmm. and uh, I can join you guys in the working world. Yeah, and uh, hopefully the coronavirus will be over by the time you get that master's, I hope, and uh, and uh, it'll be uh, hopefully I can make it down to Macomb for your graduation. But, you know, who knows if that'll actually happen because COVID may never end and we're all going to die. But on the good news of things... One, RJ is here. Um, two, we have a variety of topics this week. Uh, we will head through the NHL and the NBA. A couple of poignant topics there. MLB season predictions this week because we are just about at spring training. And then we kind of talk about what we saw teams do in the offseason. And then uh, also, well, that's our main topic today is the MLB. We also have Binkley put this a few weeks ago, and we've been meaning to cover this. In the last 25 years, there was a list that got put out, and it's the best athlete in each class. We're going to comment on that, each draft from the four major sports. So, like, the best athlete that got drafted, that you know, that was a draft rookie in, say, 2009. Every year yeah. for 25 years, we'll read it off and then see what we see if we think it's right or maybe who we think is better for the best athlete across all four major sports. And then we will do that if there is time. But first, we are going to go to some NFL news because Carson Wentz has a new home. He goes from Philadelphia to Indianapolis. And the Colts now, uh, they gave up a third and a second to get Carson Wentz in consecutive years. I believe the two is this year. And the three is next year. So a two and a three for Wentz and a whole lot of dead cap. What do you guys think? Nickley, we can start with you. Well, I'm going to point out for uh, the first part that if you take Matt Ryan out of that 08 draft, this is, I think, the past 10 or 11 years that every first-round QB is not on the same team anymore which should be a little bit alarming to people. Um, But Uh going into the actual trade part, I kind of like this trade. I'm going to, I'm going to break with a lot of sportscasters on this. And I'm going to say like, this trade is, is pretty good. Not just for the Colts, Indy or for Philly. Um, I think it's beneficial. I mean, to both teams, because Philly, you get the first round picks, you get some of the dead cap off too, but the Colts, I like this move. Frank Reich has proved he can work well with Carson Wentz. Uh, Wentz also has a better offensive line in front of him, and he has some capable running backs in the backfield. Um, Of course, the big thing is going to be Jacoby Brissett's in free agency, so they'll need a backup, and they'll probably need some receivers. But other than that, uh, this, this is a good move, I think, for Indy. I mean, me personally, so it's a two and a three 
for a quarterback that was an MVP a couple years ago. Um, oh, it's a 2021 third and a 2022 second that could turn into a first. So have that a little bit backwards. But okay. I think from the Colts' perspective, it's okay because the Colts do assume what is left on Wentz's extension and the $10 million roster bonus, but the Eagles still assume $33 million in dead cap they can't use, but going forward after this year, they get to use cap, you know, that that they that Wentz didn't afford them, you know, because of that deal next year, like the year after this, you weren't going to be able to sign anybody. Well, now maybe you can. And I just think getting rid of that, that salary is going to help them. I think they got assets. They got more assets back than that, you know, because of that contract. Like if it weren't for the contract, they may have gotten a, a, a actual first, but Honestly, I think because of that contract, they got about what they deserve to get from Indy. I do think it's interesting, though, if the Bears would have offered the same package and Nick Foles if the Eagles do that. Probably not knowing they have to eat $30 million in dead cap and full salary. But So we know what Philly does to QB with Jalen Hurts. We know what Indy does in, uh, in Indianapolis, obviously. We know what they do. They do Carson Wentz. I think the the potential high upside is with Indy here, right? You know, this year's third is kind of, either way, you know, it's kind of a mid-third round pick for the Colts, higher than Indy's, uh, uh, higher than Phillies, of course. Sorry. But we'll see. Next year's two, I mean, a two is a good pick, mostly. Most of the time, a two, unless it's like bottom, almost third round, is a solid selection. And especially if once doesn't work out, could be a very solid second round pick. I'm assuming the condition would be if you guys are actually good, then it's a one, which would be really good. So Philly is definitely rooting for the Colts to be good. And I'm okay with that. If I'm Philly, I'm okay with a good indie team getting a one that puts them in a good position. They already have who they think is their next quarterback. So, yeah, I think there's a chance Philly wins this deal, but I think there's a better chance that Indy wins the trade more than Philly does, if that makes sense, because I think that there is a better chance that Wentz returns to form than whatever the two or the three is turns into something. No, I agree with you, and I think part of it, you go back to that offensive line. You know, maybe he doesn't have as many weapons in Indianapolis that he did in Philly um, because of T.Y. Hilton going into free agency. But there is a better potential of him returning to that form with that protection and a much layered running game. Frank Reich is a very smart-minded offensive guy, which is something we didn't really see with Doug Peterson (laughs) this past season. And I think this actually puts Indy in a better position to be that competitive within the next couple of years and to reinforce the defense. Because as we saw this past season, Mike, Indianapolis's first half defense was spectacular, not so much in that second half. And you're going to need the offense to make sure that the defense doesn't have to play picture perfect all the time. You can get some longevity, especially at guys like DeForest Buckner and Darius Leonard. 
um, I'm kind of liking what Indy did. Well, and RJ, I, I'll, uh, I'll come to you in just a minute, but the other thing I want to say about the offensive line is Wentz has the injury issues, but I also think he is mentally damaged. A new scene could do that for him, but he still have some comfort because he's going back to working with Frank Reich. Also, I just feel like you haven't Quentin Nelson in that offensive line in front of him. Maybe that will help and an, an actual like Frank Reich will use the running game and has used it fairly well and a defense that can get off the field and play decent football, you know, whatever they did the second half of the season, whatever, there's still some really good guys in that defense. That's still a pretty good indie defense and if you look at it next year. And maybe that Wentz, maybe Wentz has that protection in front and the running game to use behind. And maybe he has that comfort now to where he can calm his mind down and not panic as much. And maybe that he he knows he has a defense he can trust and doesn't have to run back out on the field every five seconds. And he can slow things down in his brain and game plan more or whatever it is, you know, whatever it is, maybe he just needs time on the sidelines that he didn't get in Philly this year because their defense wasn't very good. He needs a stable. I mean, any quarterback needs a stable offensive line in front of him, except if you're Tom Brady, apparently, uh, or Russell Wilson, (laughs) but he'll have a stable offensive line. He will have a stable running game and he will have a stable defense. And, that Philly championship team that, you know, that team where he should have won an MVP. Yeah, he played really well that year. But what was the hallmark of that Philly team? The hallmark of that Philly team was their defense. Yep. It was was the dog masks in the defense. So now he has a team that will be hallmarked by his defense if he can play good, then Indy can do very well. And if he can play, if if Wentz himself can play very well, he doesn't have to be what he used to be. If he can play very well and not turn a ball over, Indy can be really good. Because what was Rivers' problem? Pick after pick after pick. So if Wentz can just manage and maybe not have as tough an assignment or the mental side or whatever it is. I think in Indy versus say Chicago, I think there's a chance for him to be much better. Now the Colts have an offensive line. The Colts have a coach. The bears have neither. So if the bears had done this, I would have been talking about this very differently. RJ Larson, your thoughts on the uh, Colts trade before we wrap this up. Yeah, I definitely like the trade for Indianapolis because they do get a guy to replace Philip Rivers. And I mean, you know, the whole Carson Wentz thing, obviously, he did have his struggles in Philly and he was extremely overpaid. But I mean, especially this last year, just the the chemistry and the locker room mentality between him and I think his teammates, especially between him and Doug Peterson, was very, very heated. And I think that really affected his ability on the field. And we've definitely seen what he can do when he's healthy and he has players around him. And I think this is a good situation for him. Like you guys said, he's getting a great offensive line. He's got the defense already established there. If they can get T.Y. Hilton back, they're going to have a top receiver in the league, top 10 receiver in my opinion. 
They got a great running back coming back, Jonathan Taylor, who had a substantial rookie year. And, I mean, the Colts, really, the only thing that hurt them in the game against Buffalo, I think, was really Phillip Rivers' play. I think he just didn't play enough to let them win. So, like you guys definitely said, Wentz doesn't have to be, you know, a Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson player here. He just has to be a game manager, and I think he can definitely excel in that role. For Philly, obviously, just getting – definitely would have liked to gotten the first rounder for him for sure. But, I mean, like you guys said, just – of how high his contract was, that was a tough sell. So Philly got two picks for him still, which I think was pretty solid. I mean, really, they should never have drafted him second overall in the first place, or first overall, I don't remember which one even was anymore. Because you never drafted so, a Dakota State product that early on in the draft. I think it was second. Yep, second out of 2016. Jared Goff was first. Yep. And then, yeah, Jared Goff is also complete garbage, so... Um. Yeah, I was not. I was high on Wentz, not on golf out of that draft. The only thing I'll say to RJ's point is, yeah, I, I, I think he brings up a good point there. They don't need, like, something incredible out, out of Wentz here. They don't need him to be Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers or, well, whatever. The Colts don't need Tom Brady to win football games. They just need not Rivers or Trubisky or Foles from last year. Like, they need, like, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco, you know, won a Super Bowl playing good. This is his best season of his career. It was a good season. And, Mike, also, you know, and the kind of radar off of that, too. I mean, if you look at these past few years, looking at these Super Bowl teams, you got the year the Rams went – they got there on their defense, a great play by Todd Gurley mainly, but Goff was good enough to facilitate that mm-hmm. offense and manage it to where they were able to succeed enough. And the 49ers a couple of years ago, they got there really on that defense. And, I mean, they got there with Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is not a top-ten quarterback in the NFL by all means, but they still got there with him because the game managed well and they had a great running game. I mean, even last year at the Super Bowl, Tom Brady won another ring. Tom Brady was definitely not the great, you know, MVP form he was. Really, his defense should have been MVP, not him, and also the officials for helping him out. But he did enough to game manage, and the the Buccaneers' defense just completely shut down the Chiefs' offense. So, yeah, and we said that we said that last week when we talked about the Super Bowl was really the Bucks' defense. If you have to do one, you should have picked one person, or if you can do a coach, you should have picked Todd Bowles. Should have been the MVP of that Super Bowl. And yeah, I think Indy can either win or get to a Super Bowl doing that. Now, the question is, like, is the price tag, if you've got the money, spend it. You know, like, how much didn't they pay Rivers like $20 million? So, yes, Wentz is is a huge upgrade, but, you know, maybe you can afford it for two years or whatever is left on that contract. All right, let's move on. To the National Hockey League, and as, as always, Mr. Minkley, you can take this. Yeah, so NHL stuff has been pretty fun. Obviously, the games this week uh, pretty interesting. But tomorrow we're going to have uh, some outdoor classics, or this weekend we are. By Lake Tahoe, the Vegas Golden Knights are going to play the Colorado Avalanche at 2 p.m. And Sunday it's going to be the Boston Bruins and the Philadelphia Flyers. The Flyers are back from the whole COVID mess that they had 
a week or two ago. And their game got bumped up to 2 p.m. Central because uh, sunlight could be a problem uh, later on in the day on Sunday. So they're going to play as early as possible and hope the ice doesn't melt. Um, now, now, Mingley, I do have one quick question. Um, so I figured Vegas would never have a dream of playing in an outdoor game because, you know, desert. But actually, I never thought of them going and playing a game in, like, Lake Tahoe. If that works, and they're... Well, uh, the NHL is doing 25%, aren't they? I think so. If they have the... What would that be? 12.5% Vegas fans? Like, if they get Vegas fans to come up to Lake Tahoe, because I do think they're doing at least some capacity, especially since it's outdoor. Um... If Vegas fans go to Tahoe, do you think there is a chance that this would open the opportunity for uh, somebody like Phoenix, who has never, or Arizona rather, who has never had an outdoor game, or uh, maybe somebody down south like Florida like to go play in a different location? Because usually all these outdoor games are your Canadian teams, your Boston, your Chicago it's only really uh, Red Wings. It's only ever really been teams like that, but I've never really thought of doing neutral, a uh, more neutral site kind of thing. A few states away, like Vegas to Utah and Colorado to Utah to Lake Tahoe. Yeah, it, it's a really interesting point um, because in the last New Year's Day Classic, it was the Predators and the Dallas Stars, and that I received, I believe, received the most attendance or the biggest attendance. Or something like that. And I think that's shocked a lot of people uh, in the NHL world because you're right. It's usually you have the Canadian teams, you either have Boston or New York or Chicago and Detroit who dominate. Um, but as they've gotten a little bit lower in the States, there has been a record turnout. So I think the, a, a, a great question you posed is what does this do for a team like the Coyotes who have probably never hosted an outdoor game and more importantly need that revenue uh, to have an attraction like that. I think it'd be wonderful for some of these teams. And I think to some degree, if you get an outdoor team or an outdoor game and like, um, what's it with the, with either of the Florida teams, that would be pretty fun too. Uh, the new year's, day game this year was supposed to be in Carolina. So I I think this is becoming more of a reality where the lower you go, the more people you have that come to the games, the bigger attendance. And this actually wants to keep their teams in the market. But RJ, what do you think of this? Well, one second, Minkley. The one question okay. I have before we, before we get to RJ here. Um, the question I have about that is, do we know the Arizona Coyotes have fans? I mean, yeah. To go to games. <laughs> Are we sure? This. Yeah, because they've let their fans be in uh, a lot of their home games this year. Oh, okay. Okay. So so all 10 of them are there. <laughs> all 10 of them. <laughs> all right. Anyway, anyway, go on. Yeah, I was going to ask, RJ, what do you think about this? Because I think Michael's question about what does this do for a team like the Coyotes, uh, it's not something I've thought on. But have you been thinking about this, or what do you think? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I watched uh, a video about the whole coyote situation on Urinating Trees YouTube page, and yeah, just that that's a big no-no. Like, the fact that they, they straight up just violated league rules to do that whole combine thing or something, I think it was. It's just that, like, he said, that's just how you destroy franchises and stuff like that. I know he's out of the league now, but... I mean, the Coyotes, they're just a mess. They are just a mess. And that is a good point, too. Why would you give an outdoor game to a team that just lost its, was it its, no, lost its second round pick this year? Uh, Because they didn't have the first. And then they cut the guy they took with the second. So actually, yeah, that is a fairly good point. Why would you give an outdoor game to a clown show with no fans? Well, I think you wouldn't do it right away, but I think in the next coming years, you know, when when people start to come back out, and remember, the NHL has done the COVID thing a bit differently than NBA teams have. Um, Obviously, you can have more fans in some of these places like St. Louis now, but they're still being cautious too. And I think, you know, when you get the the full festivities back, and depending on what uh, the Coyotes do roster move wise because remember they had some turnover in the upper management. It would be interesting to see if the league would even consider putting them on the list to have an outdoor game or to even attend one against a team like Vegas or one of the California teams. Who knows? All right, what else you got for the NHL, Minkley? Uh, a couple good things. Uh, so we talked a couple weeks ago, Mike, about teams that were on the COVID list. The New Jersey Devils were basically punted a few weeks later instead of starting play second uh, week of February or the first week of February. Uh, they February? have returned. Yeah, I, I have I have problems with that damn word, Mike. <laughs> February. <laughs> But uh, the devil was was introduced to you by Roger Sadler. The the, uh, devils returned to play. The Sabres, the Wild, and the Avalanche have returned to play. We obviously, we know the Avs are because they're playing tomorrow in the outdoor game. But um, a lot of people, Mike, were wondering how many of these teams were going to look rusty when they came back and the simple truth of it is not a lot of them have i think the sabers are the only team they've lost more than two games since they came back to play uh, a little strange but hey um but the other thing mike outside of this besides cancel games actually comes from the whole dallas area where you know we've had winter problems this whole week nationally uh, the Dallas Stars had to cancel at least three games now where it's been due to weather conditions. Uh, the state has had to get involved and say no sports, uh, not just for them, but for the basketball teams as well. And this puts kind and, of... And, and Ted Cruz has had to fly down to Cancun. Yeah, the memes about him being that character in the Titanic where he takes the kid and says two tickets to Cancun. But, um, you know, this puts a 
bit of a wrinkle in the NHL plans because they, they've had this extra time in case people need to make it up through COVID. And the Dallas Stars are the one team that's actually pushing it because they got off to a two-week late start because of COVID. And now they, they can't play for the rest of the week or at least a week because of state emergencies. So that leaves them with playing 40-some games in 78 days. And that doesn't look to be something that'll be fun for not just the stars, but the league, because that there'll be a pace probably within the next month or two where they're playing every day. And that's not to mention the possibility of a COVID outbreak. Yeah, that's a really good. um, That's a really good one to point out because when you think of playing all those back-to-back games, you'd think, Oh man, they're going to get tired. You don't think, oh man, they're going to get COVID. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I was, well, no, not for this respect. I was going to say they already have to play a bunch of games in a short time period, but then you have to factor in we're in the COVID era where all of a sudden they could get three days off and then squeeze that window even tighter. Yeah. That's, that's why I said usually you'd say, oh man, they're, they're not going to get the rest. They're going to be tired. They're, they're, they don't really have Ben Bishop, so it's Anton Hudobin and the third stringer. You don't usually think COVID, but this year you have to, and that's, that's going to be a mess. And uh, another interesting thing from the NHL so far, Minkley, is the Chicago Blackhawks were expected to go into a deep rebuild, and... Blackhawks fans were attempting to parade Jeremy Colleton's head through the city streets. And not only is his head still on his shoulders, the team is in the playoff hunt. Through the first first quarter of the season. But still. (laughs) Yeah, um, my partner Wesley Woods on our uh, Sports Talk podcast, um... We were we were talking about, you know, what teams in the Central do you see? And I think him being an optimist picked the Blackhawks to get the fourth seed, but I don't think anyone really predicted the Blackhawks to even be this high up. And part of it, you can say the Dallas situation is a part of it. Uh, Carolina had a situation. Nashville, I think, had a situation too. Um, but you usually don't think that the one and two team in this situ- in the positions they're in would be tied for first with 22 points, and that would be the Joe Quenville coach, Florida Panthers, and the Chicago Blackhawks at second. Now, the teams that we predicted to be in first and second, they're in third and fourth. Um, But Florida taking care of a lot of business. Blackhawks, they've stolen quite a few games against the Panthers and the the Blue Jackets and the Dallas Stars. So this this is a team that even though they don't have Jonathan Taves, they look pretty darn good. And Kevin Lankinen should get the Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year. It's almost like, and hear me out on that, I know this is crazy, it's almost like Joel Quinville is a really good coach. (laughs) I know it's nuts. Almost like he's really good at his job. Give Quenville credit. Um, the the defense really lacked, and he's had them playing a lot better this year. Sergei Bobrovsky is having a much better season, but 
I think what Joel Quenville's mindset and, and coaching philosophy that really stands out is you take care of your games against teams like the Detroit Red Wings and the Columbus Blue Jackets or the Nashville Predators, where teams that you know you have the firepower to overmatch. You win those games and you stay alive to play teams like Tampa and Carolina. And they've snagged two of three games against the defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Doing it through offense, having key stops at important times with both starting goalies. I think this is a team that when it comes to playoff formatting, they may not want to play Tampa, but they're going to be a headache for whoever they uh, compete against. And they've earned it. Because Quenville really <laughs> took a, one of the worst defenses and not even, what is it, five months later after they got swept um, or they lost three to one against the Islanders, he's been able to t- revamp a lot of their playing style. So good for them. RJ, has there been anything that really stands out to you? Uh, in the central division so far? Well, obviously, like you guys said, the Blackhawks are definitely the big surprise in there for me. But I don't know if the Blackhawks will be able to keep it up. I mean, they have played four more games than Florida, Tampa Bay, and Carolina, who Florida's in first, Tampa Bay's in second, or Tampa Bay's third, Carolina's fourth. So there's definitely the COVID issues there, so... If those teams make up those games, I don't know if they'll be second at the end of the season. They definitely can sneak into the playoffs. I think they can be the four seed in this division, I think. But, I mean, right now, you know, playing against, you know, like you guys said, they're beating up on, like, the Predators, the Red Wings, the Stars, and they're playing competitive. So, I mean, they're playing good hockey. I don't know if they'll be good enough to get them, you know, the division or move on to the playoffs by any means, but still they're, they've been very respectable this year and they're definitely playing their hearts out. And, you know, for Blackhawks fan, that's obviously really good to see. And uh, something I want to bring up with the Hawks, Kevin Lincoln in is seven, two and three on the year as a goaltender and his goals allowed in those. What is that? 12 games, I believe is 2.3. They've been getting better goaltending than you really would expect. So do you think that Lincoln or, you know, whatever you're going to throw out there in, in between the pipes for Chicago, do you think they have the goaltending to make the playoffs would be my question. I think they do. I mean, Lincoln's big thing right now, which, which is stunning everyone, uh, is this guy is number one in the NHL in save percentage and just saves overall. I We're used to hearing guys like Andre Vasilevsky or Ben Bishop or Anton Hudobin or even uh, Semyon Varlamov and, and Robin Leonard. We're used to those names dominating in other markets because of some of the talent they have to compete against. But the fact that it is a rookie who is doing this That says a lot, considering the Blackhawks' defense, as we've known in previous years, Mike, is not really there most of the time. Yeah, and there there is only a, and I'm going to see how old he is, only a 37-year-old Duncan Keith 
is left from those good Blackhawks defenses of old. There's nothing else left. Considering that he was drafted in, uh, what is it, 2002? I mean, we, we would think that this man would be shot at this point. <laughs> but they were talking about this, um, I think, during the, re- the past Red Wings game that Duncan Keith's defense has pretty much come back to life. And I think this is why, you know, despite the, the firing of Joel Quenville, it was about the, the right time because Joel's message and philosophy was getting, getting a bit stale. So well, here's their thing to have- Duncan Keith. He also hasn't played hockey into June seven years in a row in a bit. Because Duncan Keith played 40 minutes a night in every playoff series for like seven years. And then had like a month and a half off and then had to go again. That didn't exactly help. Well, and remember, Michael, when we talked about, um, you know, the pandemic hitting. And one of the things we talked about um, with younger athletes compared to older athletes, this benefits older athletes quite a lot. And you're, we're seeing that with Duncan Keith because he looks like the Duncan Keith of old. Whereas, you're right, if this season had played out to its regular, the Hawks probably wouldn't make the playoffs. It would probably be just, you know, the traditional offseason, and maybe he wouldn't be where he is. Instead, he got an enormal amount of rest, like Taze and Kane did. And they came back, did pretty good. And what was it, a month or three weeks? For all playoffs, and then they went back to rest again. So, <laughs> we're a lot of those older guys are pretty much skating on fresh legs, and that bodes well for the Blackhawk defense going into the postseason if they can make it. All right, anything else in the National Hockey League? Not that I can think of. Um, I'm just keeping an eye on who's doing well coming off of quarantine and. The believe it or not, the Blackhawks overall are pretty much on a stable foundation compared to teams like the Nashville Predators. So, <laughs> we'll uh, I'll let you know what else there is uh, by next show. All right. Um. All right. Let's go now uh, to the NBA, and I've got some NBA questions for you guys. So, Justin Minkley. If I said at the beginning of the year that the Utah Jazz were going to be leading the West a quarter of the way through, what would you have said? I'd be stunned. I think we all had at least one of the Los Angeles teams leading. Uh, Not the Utah Jazz. No. No. Absolutely not the Jazz. I'd have Uh, had... I don't know how many people I'd have had leading before I had the Jazz, to be frank. Yeah, RJ, what do you think? I mean, if someone said to you that the Utah Jazz would have been in first you know, by the end of February, what would you have said? I mean, like you guys are saying, just come. I mean, I'd say they're crazy because, I mean, you know, back when we gave our NBA predictions, you know, we also said the Lakers and the Clippers are the top two teams, and we also talked about the Nuggets a lot, how good they can potentially be. The Jazz are kind of – they were kind of a forgotten team, but 
at the end of the day, they got two superstars in my eyes. They got a great Donovan Mitchell player. They got Rudy Gobert, who's, excuse me, dominating the center defensively and a little bit offensively as well this season. He's doing pretty good offensively, I think, doing just enough. And they got good shooting. They got great coaching. And, I mean, it's their defense. Their defense wins them games, and that's what's been working for them. I mean, I watched them against the Bucks twice, and they've completely dominated us. I mean, it's been embarrassing to be a Bucks fan right now, but I mean, the Jazz, they're just they're playing great basketball, and, and they can they can definitely keep the us Bucks. up. We will get to the third catch up there. We will get to the Bucks in a minute, but I would like to ask the question now on the other side of the things on the East, you have basically the same thing going on in Philly. Except Philly can't win on the road, but that's been a thing for the last couple of years here. Seems like getting a new coach in Philly has really been to their benefit. Now, I don't think the Jazz can keep this up because I don't think that they're going to be this good when we get into a playoff series. I have, of course, been wrong before, just like everybody else. But I'm not huge into the idea that the Jazz are going to do anything big. Then again, was I huge into the idea that you would see anything out of the heat last year? No. So, we don't know. Could there be something going on? You know, could there be something Miami going on there? And no, they didn't win the finals, but they made it and looked good while making it. So, I don't know. I mean, it, it, they could be a solid team. Um, Philly, on the other hand, I just and until I think I know more about Embiid, like until I think Embiid is, is there and ready to go for the playoffs and will actually get his back to the basket and dominate, which I just don't, I don't feel he's doing. As well, um, I'm just kind of not ready to to say that Philly's great, and I'm not ready to say any team with Ben Simmons is going to be a great playoff team because when you get into the playoffs, you can just pack the paint, and you don't need to come out and defend who is supposed to be one of their two best players. That's so, a very good until he. Uh, Un, not until he's off the team necessarily, but until Ben Simmons can shoot the basketball, I am not willing to say, yeah, you know, whole hog into the Philly train. I, I won't do that. Now, this is our other thing, too, is that Milwaukee is barely over 500 and is playing terribly. And... I was singing his praises a while ago, but it might—it looks like it might be time time to get rid of Budenholzer. Um, it just whatever his, his schema is, just not working there, and his half court offense is not very good. It looks like it's time to get rid of him. It looks like it's time to bring in somebody fresh. So I think Milwaukee, as of right now, unless they there is some major turnaround, I think we're talking about Milwaukee being out of it. So then it comes to, well, okay, if Milwaukee's done, then 
what is it? What what's the other thing in the East? And is this Boston's conference to lose? No, this is the Brooklyn Nets conference to lose. I agree with that. You believe in Brooklyn? Well, I don't. You see, here's the thing, though. Like, if the Bucks were like playing at like the level that they were in the regular season and in the season before that, and if we had Boston looking at the same level they were last year, then I'd say it's a bit tougher. But I mean, if you look at it, I, I don't believe in the Sixers either. They're playing good basketball by all means, but. I don't think they have enough talent to be able to beat a team like Boston or Brooklyn on the road in the playoffs and beat them consistently in a series. Maybe that will change with Doc Rivers. He's, he, he's really improved that team. Coats to him. He's done a very fantastic job with that organization. Great coach. But as of right now, I mean, like you guys said, I just don't think they have enough firepower other than Embiid to be able to you know push a team like Brooklyn or Boston out of the playoffs. For Boston, I mean, they've had struggles this year. They've dealt with injuries. Kemba's not been 100%. They've dealt with some other guys. But if they can get healthy, I think they can definitely get back to the same level that they were playing at before. I don't know what happened in Miami. They just took a complete dip down. So, I mean, if they can figure it out, they still have the talent to, you know, be something. But they, they're, they're just playing terrible. And like you, I mean... First of all, Mike Bootenholzer should have been fired after that playoff series loss against the Heat. That's what I said, but nobody listened to me. But now we're paying Oh, I agree with you. He should have been because the record for Bootenholzer's playoff experiences speaks for itself. One and done is usually the problem. Yeah, and I mean, with the Bucks this year, the like you like you said, Mike, our half court offense is not very good. That just that their whole scheme just is just terrible. It's dribble up the court, give it to Giannis. Giannis drives inside. Okay, Giannis is getting quadruple teamed in the paint. I'll pass it out to a, one of my teammates and he'll shoot a three. That's their whole offense. Now they're winning some games because you know they have guys talented enough to make threes and stuff like that. They're a lot better at making threes this year. And, and Giannis they, is one of the best players in basketball. Yeah, and they have lost Drew Holiday to injury for the last five games, so that's definitely hurt them, not having him defensively. I mean, even when he was in there, their defense was, was not very good. And, I mean, it's it's the same thing. It's, you know, we beat the – I mean, before this losing stretch, I mean, before it was we were beating the lower-ranked teams, like we beat Cleveland, Chicago, the Pistons by a bunch. But then when we got to playing the big boys, like – Brooklyn, the Lakers, Jazz, we got dominated. So, I mean, nothing just no, nothing's changed, and Bootholzer needs to be gone. I've been saying that for a little bit now, and if the Bucks don't see that, then they're as, about as blind as the three blind mice. Well, and, and they lost to Toronto last night. I mean, Toronto is not a team that's, you know, tearing it up. And that team about- is not good. Toronto. Yeah. I mean, they're under 500 still. And I know in the East, that's good enough to get you into the playoffs. But the problem is, I mean, you have Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry and not much else on the Raptors. And that's a team that they get blown out to. I'm sorry. We let let Norman Powell beat us. That's how bad we played. Exactly. This is not an ideal situation, obviously, for the Bucs. But 
This is not an ideal situation the organization wants to be in, especially when you have that many teams with a winning record in the East. And like you said, yeah, the Sixers who turn it around with Doc as head coach, the Nets are going to run you out of the gym on offense. So you either have to put the same number of points up or play a little bit of defense. And that's, and, and you got the Celtics and that's pretty much it. And I don't really see how the Bucks are going to go far against either of those three teams. Now, look, I thought this year this was going to be one of the strongest years in the Eastern Conference in a while. I thought Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Boston was all going to be really good. Then in the tier right below them was going to be Toronto, Indiana. Um, oh, oh, I forgot to add Miami into the really good pile. So, like, top five was going to be really strong. And then Indiana, Toronto, what, what was left of Toronto, Atlanta. It maybe Chicago, maybe well, not Washington, but maybe Orlando would still be there. You see what progress somebody like a Charlotte made. Like I thought this was this conference was gonna be really good. And now we're a quarter of the way through the season and one game above five hundred is the four seed in the east. You look in the west, one game above above five hundred is out of the playoffs. So we're back to the east is garbage again which is where we were for how many years uh, in, in recent times. The Knicks are seriously the seventh seed in the playoffs right now. This is why I'm still saying the Bulls can make it because, for the love of God, the Knicks are a playoff team. I know they're playing really good defense. I know the Knicks are playing very well defensively, but still, the Knicks are a playoff team. Yeah. And What does that we're... tell you about, you know, the lopsided uh, degree with the talent. I mean, everyone thought when LeBron went to the West that, that the it was, was going to even out. Yeah, the, the East was going to even out, but also like there was going to be this little bit of a drain from the West to the East, and we've seen the the only part of the drain that's come over is KD to the Nets, and that was done and before. Hard. Yeah, and and James Harden with with the trade, but there isn't really any other. Uh, drain other than that, and more importantly, it seems like the teams in the West got better. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, not just with Kawhi Leonard and Pandemic P uh, going further <laughs> west to California, but you have some of these draft picks, you have some of these that have, you know, turned out to be pretty good, like Luka. You've had some players like Gobert and Mitchell, which turn into pretty high-profile players, this is absolutely a nightmare for the East because we're seeing right now not only did they not get better, they got worse, and then more talent left. So, and again, I just want to reinforce my point about the West versus East this year. The Dallas Mavericks are not in the playoffs in the West right now. They are two games back from Denver, who is the eighth seed. And Dallas is 13-15. and 15. If they were in the East, they would be the eighth seed. That's incredibly so the tenth. And now, now we do have the little play and tourney thing where if you're nine and ten, it doesn't matter. You're still getting a little tourney, and then you get to get your ass beat by the Lakers. But we so, or if you're in the East, you get to have your ass beat by the Nets, whatever it is. But even still, I mean, the tenth team in the West would be the eighth team in the East, and the eighth team in the West would be the fourth team in the East. <laughs> I mean, 
everybody above the Clippers, like the Clippers, Lakers, and Jazz, the top three seeds in the West, would all be the one seed in the East. And if you took the fourth-seeded Blazers and put them in the East, they would be a half game out of first. It's ridiculous. Mike, the eight seed in the West right now is the Denver Nuggets. They're 15 and 13. If they were in the Eastern Conference and playing Eastern Conference teams, I bet you they'd have 22 wins this season. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the other thing, too. These teams got 15, 13 wins. They're playing Western opponents half the time. Like, if Denver got to play Cleveland and Chicago regularly, they would, you're right, they would have 20 wins and be the top seed in the conference. Yeah, and Mike, one thing I also kind of want to talk about, too, the Golden State Warriors, you know, the seventh seed right now in the West, they're 16-13. They're kind of a team that, you know, a lot of people kind of had, they had them in the lower part of the playoffs, but still, I mean, I think they've been playing some pretty good basketball, especially with how bad they started. Stephen Curry is really playing well as of late. I think he's in the MVP conversation. And the Warriors, have, even without Clay Thompson, are still playing winning basketball. They're not, you know, the top team that they were a few years ago. But, I mean, still, they're getting things done. They're playing good games. It's just they are playing some really good teams in the West, and that's why they're all the way down to the seventh seed right now. Yeah, and, and also, especially with how bad I figured they would be because, you know, with with no Clay last year, it was pretty clear what that looks like. And Draymond... I'm not going to say Draymond's a terrible player now, but the Draymond Green that won Defensive Player of the Year's, you know, or or was a top five Defensive Player of the Year consistently, that guy's gone. Um, You know, I wouldn't say that as much. I mean, yes, he's contributing to the passing game, but a lot of the stuff that he does for the Warriors, whether it's defense passing, starting up the offense, or just, you know, passing the ball around, he's proved to be pretty vital. And you watch that team when he's not playing, it is a completely bad and not as good team as a lot of people uh, would think. And I get what you mean. He's, you know, he's not where he was probably five years ago, but right. he's still very important to that team. Well, I'm not saying he's not important, but what I'm saying is he's not what he once was. But even still, with him not being what he once was, they're still playing really good basketball, and Curry's doing a lot of that. That is true. I would actually have Curry in the MVP conversation this year because of how phenomenal he's been, not just scoring the ball, but uh, he has really kept that team as relevant as possible. And I, I spoke saying Kelly Oubre is absolutely terrible at shooting the ball. Uh you look at who else they have. I mean, James Wiseman's all right, but <laughs> he's not, uh, was it LaMelo Ball, <laughs> who they passed on the, the pick before? I mean, the, he is the real reason this team is in the eighth or seventh seed. All right, so uh, anybody else got a note on the NBA, or you, can we move to baseball? Actually, I didn't really get to say what I thought about the East. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, so, um, so Mike, I agree with you on, on the terms of the Sixers. I, I think the main guy that I would say 
you know, kind of holds them back a bit is the whole Ben Simmons situation, realizing that a number one pick can only score or average 12 points a game. Uh, it doesn't really scream playoff worthy to me, but I agree with RJ where this is the Nets conference to lose. And we kind of saw in the, the Lakers game, yeah, okay, they didn't have AD, uh, but the Nets didn't have Kevin Durant either. So it was more Schroeder versus Irving and scoring-wise Harden versus James. And they were able to hold the Lakers to under 100 points. Now, granted, the Lakers don't really have good offense outside of James and Davis, but that you can maybe wonder if the defense will be pieced a little bit better the later the season goes on. I don't know if that's going to be the case. But it's something to look into when they actually play quality teams. And we know the Sixers can't do much on the road. Well, if they wind up getting the first seed, will it really matter? Yeah, I mean, that's true. But you steal one at home and then you're in trouble is the only problem there. Right. And, and I think for me, in this case, it's going to be until a team can steal one in Philadelphia. I'm kind of going to lean with Philadelphia on this. I mean, if Joel Embiid keeps up this stellar season, maybe it won't matter what anyone else says. Who knows? But, yeah, um, baseball-wise, what do you have? So, we have baseball coming up. Uh, Pitchers and catchers are going to be reporting soon, I believe. Let me check. I believe it's next week. It is. Oh, uh, pitchers and catchers went today for the Mets, actually, and today for the Braves. The Indians go back Wednesday. I think the Cubs and Sox go back Wednesday as well. Actually, no, pitchers and catchers were there this past Wednesday. First full workout is on Monday for every major league team besides a select few. So spring training is officially here. We have great excitement in baseball. The Cubs, however, do not. That team is pretty much dead. They traded you Darvish in the off season and have basically declared that they are headed for the basement and are going to the basement with purpose. Uh, Ian Happ won his arbitration deal. He's making $4 million as if that matters. Although, then again, the Ricketts family's been weird about the money recently. Um, I don't think the Cubs are going to be very good. I think that they are going to finish. I mean, I don't know about the bottom of the division, but they're certainly not going to be in playoff contention. Uh, You know, your Cub roster this year is like your, your rotation, okay? You have Kyle Hendricks who is still probably a quality starter. Then uh, they re-signed Jake Arrieta very recently. They signed re- they re-signed Jake Arrieta this week for his, I guess, retirement tour. Um, then, so, Hendricks, Arietta, and then, guys, this is the next three starters, okay? The Cubs have to pull three starters out of this. Zach Davies, Alec Mills, Edward Azalea, Trevor Williams, Tyson Miller, and, Bra- and Braylon Marquez. Keep in mind, Marquez is 22 years old, and I don't think he's played above Tennessee. I will check. 
Okay, he had one game in the bigs this year, one relief appearance where he got shelled. Let me click his minor stats. Um, 2019, he played... No, actually, he's not played above Myrtle Beach, which is high A-ball. So uh, he hasn't even made it to double-A yet. So, yeah, uh, Braylon Marquez is kind of out of that discussion. So if you take Marquez out, Zach Davies, Alec Mills, whatever of Adbert Azalea, and Trevor Williams and Ty- whoever Tyson Miller is, that's your bottom for you, your rotation. That's bad. Do the Cubs still have Quintana? No, he's gone. He left. Okay, I don't remember that. But, well, Mike, to start off, yes, I agree with you. The Cubs are probably going to be, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think they're going to be, you know, full on, like, they're just going to completely suck. Like, I don't think they're going to be the Pirates. No, like, they'll still be, they can still be a 70-80 win team. Because, I mean, just because they do have some talent offensively still. Right. Even though there was no offensive talent whatsoever in the playoffs for them last year, which was awesome because I love seeing the Cubs suck because screw that (laughs) organization. But... Yeah, the pitching, starting pitching, definitely losing Darvish definitely is going to be a big factor. Hendricks can definitely be, I mean, he could be a really good pitcher. I wouldn't say Hendricks should be an ace of a team if you want to win a World Series by any means, but he's definitely a solid number two guy in my opinion. But why the Cubs thought bringing, I I mean, I understand that they were trying to get rid of Darvish, but why they decided to have Zach Davies in that trade deal, why they decided that was a good idea, I don't know. I'm a Brewers fan. I remember when Zach Davies was in Milwaukee, and this is what I remember, Mike. Zach Davies getting shelled at Miller Park, and Zach Davies getting shelled at Wrigley Field, which is going to be two places where he'll be. This is the same one, right? Yeah, it's the same Zach Davies. This is Brewer Zach Davies, who was, who had, who, I mean, he had a 273 ERA last year. The guy's not terrible. Yeah, but he can't, he can't pitch in Chicago at Miller Park. He, he has to pitch at a, like, yeah, when he pitches at a ballpark that's not designed for offense, yeah, he's not bad. But when he pitched at Miller Park or in Wrigley, oh, or in Cincinnati especially, oh, my God. Like, that guy was just, it was like watching batting practice. And in, I believe he also started, he was their last starter uh, last year for the pods in the playoffs. Yeah, he didn't even do that good in the playoffs. I think in the, I think when they played the Dodgers, he got he started one game and got pulled after an inning. Yeah, like again, that that Cub trade was you Darvish and Victor. I don't know why Caratini was in this trade. Like, there's literally no reason for you to trade Caratini. Darvish and Caratini for Davies, Reginald Bracado, Yenison Santana, Ismael Mana, and Owen Kasi, which is basically a bunch of roles at 18-year-olds. Like, I don't think you Darvish is a top 10 pitcher or anything. He had a really good year last year, but I, I still want to see what he looks like in a regular season. But I don't trust him enough, but that he was certainly worth more than what they got for him. So then this is your Cub lineup. Pro, in all likelihood, um, I'm not. I'm just going to go off the positions, not necessarily order. Contreras is behind the dish, and then, do you like Austin Robine catching every fourth day? Because I don't. Um, 
Anthony Rizzo's at first. Second base is a smudge of David Bodie and Nico Horner. Third base is Chris Bryant, who has, well, it's basically shot. Shortstop Javier Baez, left field. They signed up Jock Peterson. Hap will occupy center and Jason Hayward in right. There's plenty of talent in the lineup, like on paper or like however you want to put it. There was plenty of talent in the lineup. Will they actually perform up to it? Because, I mean, look, even when he was like, okay, is Christian Yelich the MVP or is he the, is, um, is, uh, the Javier Baez the MVP? Even that season, right? Even during that year, we were still like, yeah, well, you know, he does have that whole strikeout every game all the time problem. Now, he's still got the strikeout every game all the time problem, except he's not hitting doubles all the time or home runs last year. So I, I'm very skittish to say the least on Javier Baez this year. Will he bounce back? Probably. That's kind of because I don't know if he can't. Well, Mike, my opinion on baseball is that I can't really judge anybody off of last year because there were so many players that just weren't the same because of all the COVID thing and the delays and stuff, not being in the cages for a long period of time. So I can't really judge last year, but this is the thing, in my opinion, about the Cubs. Okay. The Cubs traded away Yu Darvish after having a tremendous season. Would have been a Cy Young winner had Bauer not just been Trevor Bauer last year. So they traded him, you know, got for some, nothing. Uh, yeah, I mean, they got some decent guys. They at least got replacements and stuff. But here's what I'm seeing with the Cubs the Cubs basically said, okay, we're going to trade this really good player, not get much in return, like you kind of said, but we're going to trade this really good player which shows you that we're not committed to winning a World Series right now, so we're rebuilding. But yet at the same time, they kept Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, and Contreras on their team. So they're basically saying, we're not committed to the World Series, but we're not committed to tanking either. We're basically going to be good enough to win games to get you stupid Cub fans to come to our piece of crap ballpark because that's what Wrigley Field is. But we're not going to be good enough to win a World Series because we know we can't compete the Dodgers. So the Cubs basically said, we're going to be in the middle and we're okay with that. And that's kind of the biggest middle finger you can do to a sports fan. Mm-hmm. Absolutely agree with that. And look, I think Brian is here because they can't move him. If they could have moved Chris Bryant for what they wanted, I think Chris Bryant is already gone. Rizzo was going to go in for agency. There's no reason to trade for him. If you would have kept Caratini, you probably could have traded Contreras for more than what you got you Darvish for, and you tr- cr- you kicked in Caratini for no damn reason. And Baez, there would be a riot in Chicago. I know why Baez isn't gone, because Wrigley Field would burn to the ground if they traded Javier Baez. Cubs fans are completely accepting of trading Chris Bryant. They are not accepting of trading Javier Baez. That's why he isn't gone. Because they would be trying to get Jed Hoyer's head on a pike in the middle of the city. 
Like they would throw Jed Hoyer, the Cub fans would swarm and throw Jed Hoyer off the top of the Willis Tower if they traded Javier Baez. That's why that doesn't happen. Well, Mike, my, my question is: is why haven't they done that with the Bears ownership yet? Um, I think it's because most Bears fans one like getting abused, and two, we don't care enough anymore. With you know, just just my humble opinion is an angry, angry, angry Bears fan. Um, let's talk about the better. Well, uh, I'm meekly. I know you don't follow baseball that well, but do you have any Cub thoughts? I know they're a Chicago team. No, I mean even uh, the thing is, I'm a casual guy when it comes to this. But even I know, like the Cubs are not going to be really good. And some of the stuff that you talked about with like with Rizzo being in free AG, free agency next summer. Uh, the pitching issues where it's Arietta Swan song, basically. You got Hendricks, but that pitching that you talked about, that is probably going to be the biggest mess that they're going to have to deal with. Now, in some ways, if this was a regular season, uh, kind of like, you know, two years ago, and I know it, it, it will be, but it's not as much because of the whole COVID thing. It will be and won't be. Yeah. Um. Maybe you'd be able to find out if you had uh, more time who could, but unfortunately you don't. And I kind of agree with RJ where, you know, everyone wasn't in form last year. And that kind of made things a little bit difficult. But let's be honest, even if the Cubs are good this year, it just doesn't matter. Uh, the amphetamine-laden computer program called Pakota has spit out what it thinks it's what the standings will be. It has the Cubs and their disaster at 85 games, and it has the White Sox at 83 games, which is my transition to say, fuck you, Pakota, please blow me. <laughs> um, yes, the White Sox are going to lose, well, win less, lose more. The White Sox are going to have fewer wins than the Cubs, like I am going to dance naked on top of the Eiffel Tower in the next year. Uh, no. No, 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 and no. They won, it's like, oh, 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 okay, okay, okay. So, you get a full offseason Dallas Keuchel. You get Garrett Crochet back. You get rid of, you, well, hopefully use Carlos Rodon so little to where he's no longer existent. You got rid of that idiot Ricky Renteria and replaced him with, well, you replaced him with an asshole, but maybe he can manage a team, I don't know. Hopefully a guy who can manage a real baseball team. And you're adding Andrew Vaughn and Michael Kopech, but the Sox are going to win less games. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. What meth are you on? And as much as I think Lance Lynn is a hot air balloon, the last couple of years, he has been a very good hot air balloon. So... Your rotation this year is Giolito, Keiko, Lynn, and then a combination of Cease, Lopez, Rodon, and Kopech. 
And at some point, Crotch Rocket is what I call crochet because get a 100 mile an hour fastball. At some point, Crochet will move out of the bullpen and will show up as a starter. I don't know if that's this year. might be next year. Oh, and by the way, now I am pissed off that they got rid of Colome, but they did just sign Liam Hendricks. Evan Marshall was very good last year, so was Matt Foster, and all of their young arms will have more seasoning, and, and I swear to God, if I see Jimmy goddamn Cordero walk out of the bullpen for the Sox this year, in a game that isn't 60 to 1, I'm going to lose it. I don't know why he's still on his roster. I don't know why he's still in baseball because he sucks. But uh, I'm just hoping he doesn't show up. Catching wise, I don't know why that good old Mr. Reinsdorf had to cheap ass his way out of getting rid of James McCann. But you have Grandal, who was overrated as hell last year, but hopefully he'll be better. Grandal and the defensive abilities of Zach Collins, because his bat doesn't work. Jose Abreu, who just won an M- who just won an MVP. Nicky Madrigal at second base, who might hit 280 this year. Yoan Mancada, who will be very good, and and hopefully post COVID Mancada, because that's the other thing too. Mancada last year hit, let me see, hit 225 with a 320 on base percentage. That's also, Yohan Mankata didn't have, like, he said it multiple times. This is the other thing that I always, that I hated Renteria for last year. Yohan Mankata told the media, I'm not anywhere near in the, in baseball shape because of, uh, I had the coronavirus and I am weak and I am tired and I am just ruined every day. Moncada has his strength back now. You know, I mean, his COVID effects lasted for months. You know, uh, been going on a year now since he got it. Like, when the season starts, it'll been going on a year since Moncada got COVID. So he, with his strength back, can take that next step. Tim Anderson's been one of the best hitters in the American League. Eloy Jimenez. We will see what Luis Roberts' second year turns into. Because, again, first part of his first year was he was absolutely insane. Second part, he was insanely bad, but that's how rookie hitters go. This year, could he make the adjustment or could he still be developing? We'll see. Right field is still a black hole. You got rid of Marzara, but you replaced him with Adam Eaton for Lord knows what reason. But the combination of Eaton, Angle, and Leroy Garcia should be able you should be able to get something out of right field, especially since Adam Angle was fairly good against, I believe, left-handers last year. Um, his one-handedness, I can't remember which. Um, and Angle, not last year, but in previous, does have really good average hitting seasons behind him. I just don't think he's. I just think that's you know he's kind of hollow. He's kind of just that. But so other than right field. And Yada's money, Grandal's, like the big questions are the lineup. Right field. What happens when Grandal has a day off? So that's, you know, once every five or six games, you have a question mark at catcher. Um, right, I already mentioned. Uh, the DH flat spot is probably going to Andrew Vaughn sooner rather than later. So his rookie season. And. What does Luis Robert look like out of the gate 
versus late or late versus out of the gate, whichever, you know, whichever place he's going to wind up being better and whichever place is going to wind up being worse is a real young hitter. But other than being young, there's nothing wrong with that Sox lineup. I think you have Kopech and Crochet. They have a really talented, they have a talented bullpen. It hasn't been as good. It wasn't as good, particularly in the playoffs, because they kind of have a bunch of hard throwers that just kind of threw hard. But now maybe over the offseason, they can learn how to actually pitch at a big league level. I am extremely hopeful for the White Sox this year. I think that they should probably win somewhere between 95 and 100 games. Because I, I know they did last year when I said they wouldn't but I really don't think Minnesota can do that thing again where your entire pitching staff performs way above its head and all of your hitters hit like crazy and perform above their heads until October. I, I don't think they can do that three years in a row. Cleveland is done. Detroit is still at completely putrid. And... So are the Pirates, not the Pirates, so are the Royals. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I think the Sox, Sox should win a hell of a lot of baseball this year. What do you guys think? I mean, they could, but again, they chose Tony LaRusso's coach, so I, I think anything's possible. <laughs> I know, you, you decided to pick the guy who hates Tim Anderson as Tim Anderson's manager. Yep. Which I will never, ever ever understand and will always hate unless they win a world series then it don't matter but if they don't i'm going to hate them forever uh rj any thoughts on the socks yeah the socks only being project- projected a three wins is definitely surprising but that same simulator had the brewers winning the nl central so yeah it's definitely high on something but the Sox tied with the <clears throat> Dodgers for having nine players in the top 100 list of MLB players, which is definitely understandable. They have a very, very good roster. I think they've done very good things this offseason, especially getting Liam Hendricks. And I think it's the Sox division to lose, honestly. I definitely agree they can be a 90-100 win team. I think last year is definitely a big learning experience for them saying all right we last year we had we played well we won games but then we kind of choked at the end big learning experience i think they'll come back stronger i don't know if they'll make it to a world series this year but i think they'll be good enough to at least win their division and make it to the alcs but i think there's going to be a team named the new york new york yankees that will shatter your dreams well it there's still a good AL outside of the Yankees and White Sox. Tampa's going to be good again. I don't know how good the A's are going to be, but I would venture to say, you know, they're probably not good enough for World Series, but I would venture to say the A's are still going to be good. They can be a wild card team. Yeah, they'll they'll be a wild card team that will be... I don't know about annoying in the playoffs, kind of the wrong word for baseball, but they will be a decent team to play come playoff time. And there's always the wild card of what what Boston could do or what my kind of 
as we go into more of a predictions thing. And, oh, and by the way, of course, mentioned the Astros here. My kind of surprise of the year candidate is Toronto. Because they are much like, at least in lineup, they're much like San Diego and Chicago. But with none of the notoriety because they haven't played as well. They didn't play as well last year as San Diego and Chicago did. But I still think that Toronto is a team that is a certain breakout candidate. At some point, I don't know when it's here, but between uh, Craig Biggio's kid and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Nate Pearson and Bo Bichette, like there is some serious, serious talent in Toronto. And other than just the I-can-sign-everyone Yankees, to me, the big White Sox competitor going forward in the American League is Toronto. If you look at, like, development path. Because, yeah, I mean, Detroit's got good pitching. Casey, Casey Mize, I think they got Haskins. Like, Detroit's got very good pitching. Um, but do they have hitting? I don't think they have that yet. Like, Spencer Torkelson is just one dude. <laughs> like, a, a power-hitting first baseman doesn't solve all your issues. This year, they're probably going to have to go after a bat. I know pitching's important, but they don't have a good record with off-season signings for hitters. Go look at their entire contending run. Um, so they're going to definitely need to draft and develop there. But, yeah, I just... I think the Blue Jays are the long-term contention team, and I think that they are the team that's going to be the surprise. Now, I'm not saying they're going to win the American League East. I think RJ's right. I think that's the Yan- that is the Yankees' division to lose. I think the Sox, it's going to be one of those two that represents the American League in the World Series, picking it right now. Sox I, aren't What did you say? Sox aren't doing anything. They just traded Ben Attendee. They're done. Uh, the White Sox, I meant. Oh, I thought like for the World Series, the White Sox. Okay, I thought um, you were talking about the Red Sox and the ALE. Still, my bad. No, oh no, no, no. I mean for the conference. I think it's either going to be the White Sox or the Yankees in the American League. But I still think there's some other good teams in there, and I think Toronto is going to be your surprise, who is probably going to finish second because if you look at the American League East. Is Tampa as good as they were let? Like, can they continue to be as good as they have been? And did Tampa Bay get better? And the answer is it probably no. You know, they don't have a lot to spend and they are kind of where they are. Like they're kind of like, this is where their competitive window is. They're right at the peak of it right now. Yes. I understand. They, made it last year and just couldn't pull it off. And they have one of the best farm systems, baseball still seven top 100 prospects, according to MLB.com. But unless Brendan McKay is really going to be something special this season. And he didn't pitch at all last year. Will Brendan McKay be something really special? It would take that. I think for them to get back to world series. I don't see Tampa Bay doing much this year. I think them trading Blake Snell was kind of a 
we're not good enough to win the World Series right now moves, so they got guys from San Diego for that. But I think in another two, three years, I think when those prospects, like you talked about, are going to be up in the major leagues, I think they're going to be another really good contending team. If they can just keep some guys around and have those guys come up, they can definitely be a World Series team again in two, three years. But who's, I your, who's your surprise candidate in the American League, RJ? Well, the, the Blue Jays are definitely going to be a good team this year. They did great things in free agency, especially getting George Springer. That was huge for them. Kind of adds a veteran, really good solid hitter, and a pretty good defensive outfielder. I think the Blue Jays are pretty set. I think they got some pretty decent pitching. They got good young hitters. They got a star in Springer now. So I think that they'll they'll definitely be in the playoffs this year. For me, I don't really consider them the surprise, though, because I at least really? from, I, I just feel like people should be expecting them to be good. That's kind of my thinking. I think people should expect them to be good. I think the surprise would be for either the Athletics to either win the West because I don't know how good the Astros are going to be, or saying maybe the Rays can still make a playoff push or maybe possibly the Twins. Maybe the Twins winning the Central could be another thing that could be a surprise too. But I would see. I wouldn't be surprised if the Twins won the Central because that would mean they won a bunch of games again, which like I'm fine with. Or maybe the Sox had some injury problems, and and we kind of saw that come up last year with the possibility of injury issues, or maybe some pitching went down, or whatever. I don't think that is that far out of the equation for me to say be a surprise that the the Twins won. Just me personally. But yeah, I just I the reason I say Blue Jays and I know they got George Springer, but the reason I say the Blue Jays thing would be a surprise to me is still a mostly a prospect team. Right? Like none of those guys are anywhere near their primes. I, and uh, by guys I mean Pearson, Bichette, and Vladgrad and um I'm trying to think of Craig's kid's name. Um Kevon, maybe? Kevin Biggio? I can't, I can't think of it off my head. But anyway, um, Biggio, Bichette, all them guys are, are, are not what they're going to be down the line. They're nowhere near their prime. So, you know, just that's just where I get them not being a surprise team. Let's head over the National League, RJ. Where's your, where, do you think there is a big surprise to be had in the senior circuit? Well, for the National League, it's most likely going to be a a Dodgers Padres versus the field type of thing, or Dodgers Padres, I should say. I don't know why I just said the Pirates, but Dodgers Padres definitely the two top teams. I don't see anybody else in the West really do anything. The Giants, they just, I really don't think they. I mean, they were okay last year. They were about five hundred, but. For a long 162-game season, I don't think they'll be like good enough to maintain 500 record. The Rockies still have Trevor Story and Charlie Blackman, but they don't have anybody else. And they traded Arenado. They're done. Yeah, yeah they traded Arenado. They're basically, but who knows? And, I mean, and what and what is left of that team is a franchise after the Arenado problem. And right. you still have no pitching because you're playing Coors Field. But, I mean, the one thing about the Rockies is that it seems like the 
players are kind of glad that Arenado's gone because yeah, that's true. You talked about Arenado not being good in the locker room, which really brought down the team chemistry and things like that. So who knows? Maybe Blackman and Story will be good enough to make them respectable. They won't be in the playoffs by any means, but they could still be a respectable 70-75 win team maybe in my eyes. I don't think they'll take a complete dive, but who knows? I've been wrong before. And then the Diamondbacks, the, the, I don't know about the Diamondbacks. They'll, they can be... They can be good because they do got some decent arms in their starting mound, but I don't think they have enough hitting. So, I just don't know whether Arizona is completely terrible because, see, I went operating the entirety of last year on the fact that Arizona was going to be a at least good team, if not pretty good team, and then it turned out they were completely terrible. Right. So I don't. I'm not putting Arizona in anything because I don't understand what, what their deal is. I don't get the thing. I, <laughs> I just don't get the Arizona thing. I am so confused by that. And I think they're a little worse probably um, than they were last year, if I remember my offseason correctly. So I, I, don't, I don't know about, about Arizona as we continue to just kind of walk through the divisions here. Uh, yeah, I, it's it's going, the, one of the Dodgers or the Padres is going to win the West. And honestly, I think if one of them doesn't win the National League, somebody done effed up. Honestly, I could see both of those teams. I could The Dodgers will definitely have 90-plus wins, and I could see the Padres having over 85. Oh, oh, you, you don't think the Padres are penciled in for a 90-win season, at least? Not yet. They have to... You don't think so? They have to prove it to me still. They okay. were good last year. Don't get me wrong. But I don't – They, I think they can win 90 games, so I'm not going to guarantee it. I'm not going to say straight up like the Dodgers. I believe more of the Dodgers than right now the Padres. Like I was going to say, like I, I've got the Dodgers down for 100 and the Padres down for 95. I That can definitely happen. But the thing is with the Padres is that they're going to have a lot of new players in their roster this year, and we don't know – how some of their guys like Tatis coming off really, really good years last year, if they're going to know, can they continue to play at the same level? Was that, it could be just fluke years. I mean, Tatis obviously just got that big 14 year deal. Which by the way, somebody has got to, let's talk about that Tatis thing for a second. Minkley, we can bring you in on this. Somebody has got to stop these guys from signing these contracts. I know it is $340 million, which is a lot of money, but seriously, if he waits to six years, he would have gotten a half a billion dollars. And look, whatever you think of Scott Boris, Juan Soto is going to get what? $600 million? When he hits free agency, when he leaves Washington to go yeah. to the Yankees or whatever. <laughs> and if you're Ozzie Albies or uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. or Loya Menez and you just signed up for less money, I wonder how these guys are going to feel about these deals when they go watch Juan Soto get $600 million. In a year, in three years or whatever it is. Now the other side of that is Fernando Tatis Jr. just took three hundred and forty million dollars, 
And so if he winds up sucking, he's going to at least get some of that money, which is the, you know, which is of course a smart thing to do. And a bunch of people would argue what human needs $340 million. But the problem that I have always had with the athlete shouldn't complain because a million dollars, a lot, whatever, is okay. Well, if you are a factory worker, teacher, whatever, if you are one of the best factory workers on planet Earth, or like a CEO or whatever, whatever, whatever you want to use here, if you are one of the best at what you do, wouldn't you like to be paid what you're worth? Like, you know... If you work, if you're the CEO of McDonald's, wouldn't you like to get paid more than the CEO of a failing restaurant? Right? True. Like, you know, wouldn't you like to get paid what you're actually worth? So, to me, you know, it's, I'm totally cool. Now, not Le'Veon Bell, because Le'Veon Bell, the, the Le'Veon Bell thing is different, because he just pissed away money for no damn reason. But, well, and he thought that his position was still worth a lot more and could grow. Which it wasn't. When the opposite is true. Right. Um, and, and, and again, I, I'm totally fine with self-confidence, but he just, he did not know what his position was worth anymore. Um, anyway, back to baseball. I'm totally okay when Illoy winds up mad, but I'm also totally okay with the White Sox getting a hell of a lot of control for a hell of a long time on a hell of a good player. And same thing with the Braves. You know, the Braves stole basically the best years of Ronald Acuna Jr.'s career. And that should be applauded from a team perspective. If you're the players' union, I don't see why the hell the players' union isn't up a crick without a paddle. <laughs> unless you just don't really give a damn about the Cuban and Venezuelan players that keep turning out to be the best players in the game and keep taking no money, which makes your players, your other great players, less valuable at some point. And and I'm not saying anything wrong with these countries. I'm just saying, like, for whatever reason, you don't see American-born players taking $10 million for years that they should be making 30 in, in the future. Like, you don't see that, it seems. So, whatever that is... It seems to be happening, and I don't get why the players' union isn't throwing a fit about it. Because when a bunch of dudes start signing bad value contracts for them in very early years of their careers, all you kind of do is start devaluing the market. But, but anyway, regardless, rest of the National League, RJ Larson will start. Uh, will we will continue with the central. Another problem I had with the Pakota predictions this year, um, the Cardinals are not going to win only 81 games. It, it's not just about the Cubs winning. It's not just about the fact that Pakota has the Cubs winning way too damn many games. 
it's also about the fact that they have the Cardinals winning way too, way too few because I think the Cardinals are going to win the division. Because the days of the Brewers scaring me is I'm not I, I'm not in love with the Brewers right now. And I'm certainly not in love with the Cubs. So unless the Reds are going to win the division, you're kind of left with the Cards, who just got Nolan Arenado, which makes a lot of sense to, to get a get a superstar player like Nolan Arenado for literally nothing. And then go win your division. So, RJ, what do you think of the Central? Yeah, Mike, you kind of hit it on point. Well, let's start off with the easy one. The Pirates are going to suck. They're going to win make 55 games this year, if that. Yeah, they're they're epically, like, one of the worst teams in baseball, bad. And then the other four, I mean, we talked about the Cubs. Obviously, we think they're going to take a big regression. The Cardinals are definitely the favorites for me that win the division. I don't see how they really can't because, I mean, you look at last year, they were still – they won the division last year, and then they just got Nolan Arenado. The only player they lost was Colton Wan to the Brewers. The Brewers can still be pretty decent, I think. Yelich, I think, will be a lot better this year. Question here, I You think, hope. I think. I think. I think – our pitching is going to be, I mean, if Cor- if Corbin Burns can pitch pretty well like last year, Brian Woodruff gets still a good player, we can get another third starter in there. I mean, I don't know if we'll be a playoff team, but I think we could still win 80 games. We yeah, definitely- you could still be fine, but th- there's a couple of things that gotta got to happen for that. You know, you got to have some more overperformance from some dudes. Which, in a small market team, that's that's what you've got to find, and you've done a nice job of that, but I don't know if you can continue doing a nice job of that. Yeah, and the other thing is, I mean, obviously the Brewers are still trying to figure out third base. We did just, we got Travis Shaw back, so maybe he can have another bounce back here. But I'm adding Colt Wan's going to really help us, because it's a pretty solid bat, really good defensive second baseman. And I'm still... So then where's Hira then? Hira's at first. Oh, Hira's at first long-term. Okay, I thought Keston was second baseman. Yeah, he is at first. We're also going to get Lorenzo Cain back, which is going to help us on offense and gives us a gold glover in center field again. I'm still surprised he is still good. I mean, hey, puts in the work, I guess, but... Oh, I know, I know it. The guy's prime was six years ago now, and he's still playing. He still played decent baseball last year. Good for Lorenzo Cain. We got Josh Hader, who was named as the 95-plus player in baseball. He can still do good things out of the bullpen. Of course, Devin Williams, reliever of the year. One of the best performances we've seen out of a reliever in a while. So Brewers can still – they can sneak in as a wild card, I think. But, yeah, the Cardinals are definitely going to be the team, I think, that will win the division. I think it's going to be Cardinals, Brewers, Cubs, Reds, Pirates. I don't think the Reds are going to be that good. I think, you don't see that step? No, they got exposed last year. They lost Bauer. They're not going to have the same pitching. I don't. Mike Moustakis is useless. He's not that good for them. They overpaid him. I just don't think they really have. Joey Votto's washed. They just don't have the good players. Nick Senzel, he's not really working out for them, so... Yeah, I, I think their problem is no Bauer because beyond Trevor Bauer, that means, you know, 
whatever else you have is supposed is going to need to be much better than it was last year. And if I go look, let's let's pull up the Reds pitching staff because I think they are an interesting th- team to uh, to talk about here in our meg se- main segment here on the Sports Fixins podcast. Um, uh, no, I don't want your starting lineups for last year. I want your depth start for this year, Reds. Um, they have the rotation, RJ, as listed Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo, Tyler Male, Wade Miley, and Jeff Hoffman. Does that scream playoffs to you? Just, it doesn't to me. With, with Suarez and Castillo, I mean, those are two good pitchers that can definitely get you there. But again, I just, I just don't think they have, they don't have the bullpen either. And I just don't think they have the offense. Is Sonny Gray good? Um, because that probably changes things if you get good Sonny Gray. Right. That and that's the thing. We don't know which one we're going to get. He's very inconsistent. But the, the, a good Sonny Gray makes them a good baseball team. A bad Sonny Gray is probably bad. Um, they did get Sean Doolittle, so you have Sean Doolittle and Amir Greer. But I agree with you. Other than those two, they really don't have much. And is, uh, I got to pronounce it, is Aristides Aquino really a great hitter? I'm not, I'm not sure that that's, that that is not only a fair assessment to this point, but I'm really not sure that's the case. So, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm down with that lack of Reds faith here. All right, so, RJ, we covered the Central and the, uh, National League, and we covered just about everything now. All we have left is, well, we didn't really team by team the West, but we I, we went over that a little bit. It's kind of going to be a pick'em division um, unless something really sticks out to you, unless you just kind of think that the, the Astros are still going to be the Astros. I'm not so sure that's the case. Um, the National League East is the last division we have left. Braves, Marlins, Mets, Phillies, and Nationals. First of all, I think the Marlins, the season that the Marlins had last year is a total fluke. That won't happen again. I agree to that. I think that the Mets are still going to wind up Metsing the hell out of it because how many years in a row now has that Mets team should have won that division? or should have been good or close. Um, the nationals are not going to be what they once were. Not, not now. Um, and I think the Phillies are still a team full of potential, but won't wind up doing anything because they spend all the money in the world and still have no bullpen and can't get one of their free agent signings to play good. So I think that this is not only just Atlanta's division to lose, but unless the Mets become really, really good at something other than starting pitching, I think this is Atlanta's division just period. Like, I don't I don't see who would beat them for the division. Yeah, like I said, definitely the Marlins were kind of a fluke last year. I think they'll be last place. Four, if I'd probably put the Nationals for, you know, Juan Soto, great year last year, but other than him, they don't have a lot on the offensive end. 
And I mean, Schwarzer and Strasburg, both still very valuable players, but Strasburg obviously deals with injuries. So, I mean, they could, it's kind of do or die, kind of hit or miss for them too, but I don't think they'll be, they'll, like I said, they'll compete. They'll be a 75, 77 win team, but they'll probably be fourth in that division. Then, yeah, probably the Mets third, because like you said, the Mets great starting pitching, but, you know, can their offense do anything is the real question. Right now, I haven't seen anything out of the Mets, I would say otherwise, so I'd have to go third now. And then I'd probably say Phillies are second, and then the Braves first. So I'll agree, the Braves definitely should be repeating as the division winners, just with, I mean, they got a lot of talent there. Unless Freddie Freeman has a huge, like, backwards fall and Okuna doesn't play to par, I don't see how the Braves don't win that division. Yeah, or unless Soroka and Freed both get hurt or something. Like, unless unless something really bad happens to the rotation, I don't get how they don't win their division. I really have no idea. Um... All right, so we've kind of went through things, I know, but let's just go ahead and do the pen-to-paper portion of this. And, uh, Minkley, if you want to jump in here, you absolutely most certainly can. Let's pick the division. So coming into spring training, R.J. Larson, who is your feel? Let's go through your American League division winners, R.J. So I would have to go with the Yankees in the East. The White Sox in the Central, and I'm going to go with the Athletics in the West. And I think I personally, I'm, of course, going to go with my Chicago White Sox to win the American League Central. Put down some money on them to win the World Series and the American League this year, because obviously World Series money is American League money. Uh, Yeah, I love me some White Sox going into this season. Um. And I think that it's the Yankees' division to lose when you get into the American League East. I think that they are the best team in the American League East. As Like I said, I do think that you are going to have a Toronto team that is better and a still, yes, no Blake Snell, but a still good Blue Jays, still good Rays team, rather, excuse me. But, But the one wild card, I think, is the American League West. Who is the best team in the American League West? I don't know the answer to that question because you do have to consider that however good that you think that Astros team is, George Springer was still a very good player for them. Whatever you think of him, he is gone. So that does hurt you in some way. How big of a hurt it is, I don't know. At some point, Justin Verlander is going to have to age. Apparently, it's not possible. But it will happen someday. So I'm not confident in them. The Athletics just lost a big piece. I'm not necessarily totally confident in them. The A's just lost a big piece of their bullpen. The Angels are, well, the Angels. And the Mariners and the Rangers are bad. So who's the winner in the West? I think it's just Houston by default, basically. 
just if for no other reason than because I, I really don't see anybody else that, that quite frankly could unless it's Oakland. Oakland is the only other team that you that I can look at and say, yeah, hey, okay, they can win the division. But uh, but no, I I I don't I don't think that uh, that the Athletics are going to. I think that the Astros are, um, unless I could say it would. I I do actually think it'd be kind of nice if the Angels finally leave, lived up to their billing and won. If for no other reason than for God's sakes, Mike Trout Mike Trout deserves something in his career. He's got nothing so far, but he does deserve something with how good a baseball player he is and the ways that they have been trying to supplement that team with good talent for years, but never have. And it sometimes seems never will. Um, I don't see them winning that either. Um, RJ, I I feel like this one is more straightforward in a couple of these divisions, your national league offerings, please. National league. I got, like I said, the Braves winning the East. The Cardinals winning the Central, and then I'll say the Dodgers winning the West. All right, and I'm going to go the same with you in the Central. I'm going with the Cardinals. I'm going to go with the Dodgers out West. Uh, who'd you have for the East? The Braves. Yeah, the Bra- the Braves too. So we're going the same uh, on all counts here. I don't think there's any way the Braves still win the East. And beyond that, really, what is there? Um Again, unless the Mets find some phenomenal pitching someplace, but or, or well, not someplace, but ra- unless they find some way to live up for that to that phenomenal pitching that they are supposed to have, and you know, supposedly have had for a while, and Pete Alonso keeps mashing, like there's a lot of stuff that is going to have to go on for them to win this year. The divisions. Uh, Minkley, do you have division predictions? Nope. All righty. Well, with that, it is 8.30 Central Time. I think we got time to very quickly go through our dessert piece, if you will, for the day. Um, The athletes of the last 25 years who put the list out on our Facebook page, Sports Fiction's Facebook page, which Minkley runs. Um, I will say, though, I'd like to wrap this up. So let's only go through the last 10 years. Might be our best memories anyway. So sorry for your research, Mr. Minkley. Um, last 10 years. I was actually going to say, like, because I was going to ask you guys who you thought were among there. Like, yes. not just. Good. No, go ahead. Um, so we'll go, we'll go over the last 10 years uh, and. Let's go ahead and go over the list now. Mickley, you got it pulled up, or do you want me to go get it? Oh, no. I actually wrote down who I thought was. So Okay. So who do you have? So we'll, we'll just go last 10 years, so good, go back to 2011. Oh, okay. Um, so... How do you want me to, like, should I just read these off, or? <laughs> so, the default list from All Sports Culture that we shared on our Facebook page had the best athlete of 2011 of all four major sports. They said it was Mookie Betts. Do you have any contention as to the best athlete, the best rookie in 2011 being Mookie? Well, I, I think this is more like best players who have been there. Um, 
you know, not just best rookies, but best players who've had careers. Well, no, and I think, at, well yeah, athlete drafted by that season. So out of everybody yeah. who was a drafted rookie in 2011. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, I think the two that I would throw in, I mean, Clay Thompson is going to be the first one that I think of. Okay. Great um, defensive player in the NBA, part of great Warriors teams. I think the other one that you could make the case for is Nikita Kucherov for the NHL one. He won the MVP slash Hart Trophy two years ago. Uh, he's very important to the Tampa Bay Lightning team to where you could say as phenomenal as Steven Stamkos is. It's kind of like he's the best guy on there right now because he's in his prime. NFL-wise, I think this is an even harder one because the the top two that I was able to see are Richard Sherman and Julio Jones. So I can't really say Sherman, NFL. He's third, isn't he, that year? Wait, who? That. Richard Sherman, or no, uh, sorry, a sixth pick Richard Sherman that season. So yeah. guys not even that high of a pick tells you how not good the 2011 draft was. Well, the 2011 draft is pretty good, but the problem is, like, if you were to narrow it down to a handful of guys, I mean, Patrick Peterson, he's pretty good, Cam Newton, Von Miller, who are the guys that really have made, you know, not just Hall of Fame careers, but star-studded ones and haven't been injured as much? And it, you, it comes down to Julio Jones and Richard Sherman. So... <laughs> Great draft class, but there's not particularly one guy who stood out in 10 years. I still think out of, out of all four, I'd say out of all those guys, Mookie has probably had the best career out of any 2011 draftee. Mookie has had a very good career. He's a very high-paid man. I would hear the argument for Julio most especially, um, Kucherov and Julio. But I would I would tend to go with Mookie. Um, to th- uh, RJ, your thoughts on the 2011? Most of the guys that we listed here are really your top guys, like Mookie Betts, Nikki Kucherov, and Julio Jones. Well, I was just going to ask: wasn't Kawhi Leonard in the 2011 NBA draft? Yeah, he was. But if we're being honest, between who's had the most marquee career, it would probably be Clay Thompson. Okay. Yeah, because well, uh, yeah, I'd say probably because I mean, Leonard's... well, no, when did uh, because uh, ring number one for Kawhi was what 13? 2013, 2014, I think. Yeah, so uh, maybe I actually think is not that bad a point. But either way, I don't think they. I think Mookie has the better career. Yeah, I'd say I'll say Mookie with the two World Series and obviously the big contract now. So, yeah. I mean, I was just because I think that I just thought that Kawhi Leonard should have been in over Clay Thompson. That was just my thought. Interesting. Okay. I mean, it doesn't matter. The Bucks didn't draft either of those guys because you know we're the Bucks. <laughs> Well, you are on the list, but we'll we'll get to that in a bit. <laughs> yes, you you are you do have a player uh, on the list here, at least on Minkley's list. Um, 2012 is Russell Wilson is what we have listed here on the thing that is on our uh, Sports Fixins Facebook page. 
what are your what are your thoughts on, on this, Justin? What are your thoughts on the idea of Russell Wilson, you being the Seattle fan? You know, it's funny because when I saw this, I was like, oh, my God, he actually made the list for 2012. <laughs> I, we're all familiar that he was taken in the third round and how the 2012 draft went. Uh, it was Luck and RG3 and then Trent Richardson. Uh, but I don't think a lot of people, you know, looking back now, that draft class wasn't as stellar as we thought. I think the second best quarterback behind Russell Wilson, like looking back at it now, mm-hmm. in terms of championships or just longevity, has been Nick Foles. Yep. So it, it is amazing to me. Everyone thought this was going to be like the 04 draft, I think. 03. Right? We're, our 03 draft where everyone was like, this is going to have the next generation of players and realizing that that never turned out to be the case. I find it to be very jaw dropping, even like 10 years or nine years from now. Uh, you, do you have other sport candidates from 2012? Because I would say out of, out of athletes, I'm cool with Russell Wilson. Being 2012. No, I, I agree with you. I think there's only one that I think competes. Uh, you have for basketball, Damian Lillard, which I find hilarious that Lillard is in this class because both the Blazers and the Seahawks were owned by Paul Allen at that time hmm. and both have the same competitive, fiery spirit. The only difference is one has won a championship, the other has not it, really, or even came close. Uh, baseball, I think it's a tie between either Carlos Correa or Addison Russell. And the reason I say it's a tie is if you still believe the Astros are cheaters, I would not put Carlos Correa in that category. But if you do think that we're going off of being objective and everything, he's probably the guy that stands out to you. Yeah, and Addison Russell sucks. So there's also that. Um, Uh, But the NHL one is Andre Vasilevsky. And if, and if you follow hockey at all, he's a Vesna Trophy winner, meaning he won best goalie of the season. He is pretty much the anchor of the defense besides Victor Hedman for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And it's possible he could be in the Vesna conversation this year. So, and he's played in two Stanley Cups. So I think this is the closest comparison you can have to Russell Wilson. But if we're being completely honest, Andre Vasilevsky isn't getting beat to hell. Like behind that offensive line, <laughs> and Andre Vasilevsky doesn't also have two Super Bowls. While that's the case, uh, the big case, the, the the big thing that's come for Vasilevsky is that the Lightning are one of, if not the most talented team of our generation. Like besides the the early to mid two thousands New York Yankees with Joe Torre, I mean you don't see that often. So we don't really know what Vasilevsky looks like on a bad team. We've seen Russell on bad and good. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, RJ? Anything that you know you feel like wasn't mentioned, or you think Russell isn't the best? What do you think? Well, the MLB one is just that's just really bad. But I have to <laughs> say, yeah, between the Lightning's goalie and be between him and Russell Wilson for sure. But it's it's a tough one because 
Russell Wilson has been one of the best players in the NFL. But the thing for me is, if again, if the Packers would have just won the 2014 NFC Championship game like they should have, Russell Wilson probably wouldn't have been in the Seahawks uniform the next season. So I'd honestly have to give it to the Lightning goalie. Uh, Vasilevsky. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm kind of... That, that does pique my interest, but I get what you mean because of like the Green Bay Packers being in the championship and also. And Russell Wilson also did have very, very good defenses in his early years. Well, basketball is, is one of the most talented teams ever around him. I mean, the case for both, like for, for having very deep and, and memorable teams is like that, that comparison is going to be there. I, I find it interesting. You say if Russ doesn't go back to the Super Bowl, that maybe he's not on the team. And maybe he doesn't have the career he does. So, so all right. Now, uh, moving on to 2013, Nathan McKinnon is the pick on the list. It's up on our Facebook page. But there's a certain Antetokounmpo that is <laughs> um, in the NBA draft. So this one is bad. Kind of automatically. I mean, the thing is, I, I don't know about you, RJ, but I've seen Nathan McKinnon play, and I can tell you that this guy is the real deal. I and, know he's the real deal, but Giannis. I, I get what you're saying. Okay, so Giannis is going to be the one for the NBA. Nathan's going to be the one for the NHL. Um, but how about this one? You know, MLB... Uh, Aaron Judge, which I don't think a lot of people expected at the time in 2013, uh, that has wound up being a very good career. Not Giannis or McKinnon, though. Very true, but I think that's... I, I, I was very surprised to learn that he was drafted in 2013. Which and which for baseball for him being good what what was wasn't he on the cover of MLB the show in eighteen? Yeah. And I believe he was a high school draftee, and that is a very quick turnaround for a uh, for a player in major league baseball. So he was he was rushed to the majors quickly, but because he was really good. Um I'm trying to think of any outstanding, I believe that was another really bad NFL draft. Uh, the most notable name I came up with, with was Tyron Matthew. And, okay, yeah, no, I'm not taking him over the judge, even. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, the NFL one was pretty weak. That was the one where Eric Fisher went number one. Yeah, bad. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest. I'm, I see both cases for this. Because... Giannis, you know, he is going to be the face of the NBA. Yeah. But I've also seen with, with the Colorado Avalanche, I mean, obviously, he is not just their best player. He's also one of the fastest players in the league and, and a complete game changer. Like, if I was to tell you who the best player 
of the young guys in the NHL is, mm-hmm. is probably McKinnon. But so this, I feel like the, the choice has already been made. I can't really say, but you are, either one is correct to me. Yeah, I, I'm just going to go with Giannis just because the impact that you can make in basketball is different than you can the impact you can make in hockey. And I think Giannis has made a really big impact in basketball and also like the between him and Kevin Durant, who if if we had more time and went back further, is your 2007 uh, person on this list. And I think that one would be undoubtable is what they did with like big guys and in, in, in the big ball handler kind of starting there and like coming into it be a big thing. Yes, I know Magic was a large ball handler, but it wasn't like every team going for that. Every good team has that huge dude that can handle the basketball kind of deal. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I think it's Giannis. Uh, RJ, would you rather have Giannis or Nate McKinnon? Well, I don't know much about Nate McKinnon, and I know a lot about Giannis Antetokounmpo, so I'll take Giannis. And which I, I had like a feeling he was going to take Giannis. I mean, Bucks fan, I get it, but not a lot of people know of McKinnon as much. So, because one, he's in the NHL, and two, he's on the Avalanche, which unfortunately is a problem for him. Yeah, and I think um, to go with that, I mean. The Avalanche have had a share of injury issues. You haven't really had that with Giannis as much. So if you wanted to go by a health standpoint, as you could with a lot of these, you could say Giannis should be up there. All right, 2014, I don't think is going to be disputed. I think Aaron Donald has pretty much got this. Um, NBA-wise, Joel Embiid slash Nikola Jokic. Those um, were the ones. And I have them as a tie because they're both MVP candidates this year. Uh, well, if we're going off what they should be, then probably Embiid. But based on what they are, I, I'm agreeing with the tie. Um, baseball is so hard <laughs> because Aaron Nola for these guys to develop. Um, Aaron Nola, okay. Aaron Nola, very good, but I don't think as good in baseball as Aaron Donald is in football. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, um, the NHL. NHL, okay, so this is where I think this is where Aaron Donald's closest competition comes in. Leon Dreisaitl. He is last year's Hart Trophy slash MVP winner in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And Hilariously, he was drafted before Connor McDavid. I kind of consider him to be the better of the two, which a lot of people are starting to agree with. I wasn't I wasn't anticipating that, but I think um I'm still giving it to Aaron Donald. Not because Dry Saddle was on the Oilers, but because we have absolutely seen how athletic and one in a million Aaron Donald is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Like he is the, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) jumped you again. No, it's all good. Yeah. It's like, think of like if Warren Sapp could evolve. Yeah. 
and that would be what Aaron Donald is. Yeah, pretty much. He's absolutely incredible. Um, RJ, where are you at? Yeah, I definitely have to agree. It'd be Aaron Donald unless, of course, he's being blocked by Elkin Jenkins, which we saw in the playoffs, and Elkin Jenkins dominated. (laughs) That was funny. He got dominated by a guy named Elkton. 2015 is? Said Connor McDavid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So. Yeah. um... (laughs) Go ahead. So, Connor McDavid is a very, very good hockey player. Um,. If as if that's a shock of any kind, uh, <laughs> Minkley, do you have any other candidates? I was going to ask. Okay, so this is where, like, MLB wise, I'm going to be really in the dark here. Uh-huh. Like, at least the first fifteen years, first ten to fifteen to twenty years, I'm fine with. Yeah. But it's the next five years or the last five years that's like I have no idea. Um. And and eventually in the MLB, you're going to be getting to problem areas where guys maybe haven't developed yet. I would say your best MLB player is Alex Bregman. The okay. candidates yeah. for top MLB guy really to me is Alex Bregman and Andrew Benatendi. And I think that Benatendi has had the better career. Um, oh, actually, mm, RJ Bennett, uh, Bregman or Walker Bueller? Well, no, actually, I guess if I'm going up to this point, it needs to be, uh, I'd say Benatendi because he didn't cheat. Really? Yep. For the better career up to now? He didn't cheat. Yeah, okay. See, that's why I had Correa as a tie, because you could say Benatendi if you're not going with the Astros versus Bregman if you're going overall. The Astros. (sighs) Okay. Then what do you think with uh, Benatendi versus Walker Bueller? Although, again, I have to go with career up till now. I mean, the thing with Ben Attendee is I think he's established himself as one of, one of the better hitters in the league. And he just got traded to the Royals, which is very unfortunate for him. But I think when he hits free agency, I think he can get a pretty good-sized contract. He's won a World Series before. Walker Buehler, for me, wasn't good up until about two years ago. Two years ago is when he kind of made a name for himself, but Ben Attendee kind of he started making a name for himself like pretty early on. So I'd, I'd say Ben Attendee. Okay. But I so mean, it, ben, doesn't, it doesn't matter because kind of David's. Well, be- yeah, but it, yeah. if we're listing off the candidates here. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Ben Attendee is the candidate, uh, kind of McDavid, uh, Minkley, you have the 2015 NBA and NFL candidates. I do. I'm actually going to go with Devin Booker in the NBA category. Okay, I will take a wildcat. Yeah. 
the NFL? And NFL, I think it's a tie between Stefan Diggs and Darren Waller. <sighs> now, I'd go with Diggs there over Waller. Waller I, I'll probably, yeah, go on. Waller, very recent breakout. Yeah, I'd say Waller has been more the recent breakout within the past two to three years versus Diggs has been very consistent. So I'll probably go with Stefan Diggs, but I don't think any of these guys actually come as close to McDavid. Uh Uh-uh. Nope. This is kind of McDavid clean. Uh, 2016, there is, like, oh, is the only way I can describe 2016 for baseball. Um, (laughs) Mickey Moniak was your number one pick. Um, the guy, and again, you know, we're talking about a MLB draft, so we're going to get from here on in and we're going to have guys who don't have great careers right now. The best guy probably so far is either Shane Bieber or Pete Alonzo. But, um, I guess Shane Bieber is my nominee just because the guy does have the nails I young, but, uh, but again, pretty short career up to this point. Um, the guy who I actually, actually do have Shane Bieber too, which is hilarious. <laughs> the guy who's actually on this list is somebody who looks like a 50 year old truck driver who I think is Austin Matthews. <laughs> you know, uh, someone asked me what he looked like the other day, and I said he looks like a, an actual porn star with the stash. <laughs> yeah, he looks like a 50 year old truck driver. Um, the NBA, <laughs> do you like? Ben Simmons or Brandon Ingram more? Hell no. I got Pascal Siakam. Brandon Ingram. Oh, come on. Ingram, okay. Ingram I could go with, but Siakam to me. Um, yeah, okay. I'll say Siakam, actually, because he Siakam shocks people with how good he actually became. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's won a championship, so yeah, Siakam. By the way, Ben Simmons can't average more than 12 points a season slash game. So... <laughs> That's a shit number one pick. <laughs> uh, NFL-wise, I think it's a tie between Derrick Henry and Tyreek Hill. Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, yeah. I would. Li- I actually go with Derrick Henry on this, but I think you have to respect the resume Tyreek Hill has, especially yeah. with how fast he and athletic he is. But Derrick Henry didn't get, you know, arrested, so. Well, you know, you got the no legal problems for Derrick Henry, too, so I'll give you that. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, I I see Austin Matthews, and I feel this should be an automatic shoe-in, but realizing Derrick Henry is drafted, like, in the same year, it's like, it, it's a very close second. Mm-hmm. I think I'm still going with Austin Matthews. Yeah, I, I go with Austin Matthews, too. Because, oh my God, he's good. I mean, Ma- you know, you both know that, how you, what is it, you have 82 games in the NHL. Uh-huh. And even though they didn't play the full 82 games, Austin Matthews scored in at least one out of every five games he was in. Yeah, he never went cold. Just unfortunate that he's stuck in Toronto. Pretty much. What a terrible team. (laughs) 
2017, Patrick Mahomes, is this going to be disputed? I actually will dispute this one. Of course. Even NFL-wise. Okay, I'm not, it's not because I hate the Bears. It's, it's more because... I mean the Chiefs. I would actually say Deshaun Watson has a very oh good case. God. Out of your mind. Absolutely not. He has a... Mahomes has a ring and an MVP. Okay, and Deshaun Watson does it because he had <laughs> fucking Bill O'Brien as the head coach. We're talking about better careers. So you're telling me if, Mah- if it's Watson over Mahomes for Kansas City that they don't have a ring? No, I am telling you that. I would like to hear why. Because Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback of his generation. And Deshaun Watson will be an elite QB someday, but he's not that yet. And by the way, I'll get the MLB thing out of the way right now. The only guy who's even made it to the majors that I can find on this list, the only two guys, is Evan White and uh, three Evan White, Keston here, and I think Joe Adele's in the bigs. But uh, again, 17 to now, we're not going to be getting guys who are developed yet. That is very true. Uh, in Major League Baseball. Uh, NHL. And I know um, I'm through here, but we are two hours and 15 minutes. I got Elias Paterson. Who? The Canucks dude. It looks like Elias Patterson. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, Elias Peterson is by far and away the Canucks' best player. But, again, well, Vancouver. How, so. However the hell you said that. Oh, because he's technically oh, because Swedish. Who, however the hell you said that made me insanely confused. But I, have, I, know, I know who that is now that you say it, American-ish. Yeah, so that's the thing, like, for some of these names in the NHL, like, uh, I look at the name Elias, and I think, oh, that looks like Elias. But you say this in Swedish, it comes off like the opposite you would pronounce it, so it comes off as Elias. Hmm. (laughs) Um, Basketball is Jason Tatum. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I don't think it gets any more clearer than that, but um I, I would say whoever you have for the NFL, whether it's Deshaun Watson or Pat Mahomes, I think that's the one you go with. Um uh, yeah, I'm going with Pat Mahomes. Baseball is developed. Um Patterson is not as good as like the, the NHL guys that have won this before him. And yeah, no. No on anybody in the NBA draft that isn't Jason Tatum, and even Jason Tatum hasn't lived up to his potential. That is true. Um, RJ Mahomes, or is that yours? Yeah, I'll say Mahomes. I'll say Mahomes just because, like you said, he's got the MVP in the ring already. He's been to two Super Bowls, and he's got the big ten-year deal. But I do agree with Justin that I mean I think Deshaun Watson's a. He's established himself as one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I mean, he still threw, I think, I don't remember his stats exactly, but I'm pretty sure he still threw like 4,500 yards with that Texans team this year. I think they were top three in the league in passing yards, which is crazy. 
Yeah, so I think he's one of the best. I mean, I mean, again, those two guys are no Mitch Trubisky, but you know, <laughs> shut up. I'd have to say Mahomes just based on the championship. Hey, you know what? No one said so. Mayo was Garrett, so I can go with that. <laughs> All right, 2018 again. Nobody's even developed it out of the big league draft. 2018 NBA draft. Wait, 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 wait. There what? is one guy in baseball who was drafted who kind of stands out. Ooh. Well, see, that's where we get into problems because he technically doesn't play baseball. Oh, 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 oh. Well, yeah, okay. Kyler Murray. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. Nice job, Oakland. You picked him ninth. Although, to be fair to the athletics, he kind of told them he was going to play baseball. Yeah, exactly. So, he's kind of like... trying to tell him he was going to play baseball that actually said, well, hey, actually, I just had this incredible football season, and I'm going to be the number one pick, so bye. (laughs) So, yeah. But, by the way, Kyler Murray, a incredible... Again, this says best athlete, so even though Luca is here, I mean, if we're going on athlete, because it said best athlete drafted by season, but, I mean, it is based on their careers, but, like, if this was a best pure athlete list, I mean, Kyler Murray would have to be up there because the guy was a top 10 pick in two sports. Yeah, and this is kind of why I wanted to bring Kyler Murray into this because, yeah, okay, he didn't wind up playing for the athletics, but look where the athletics went after that draft and within the past two or three years. And Kyler Murray, as we know with Russell Wilson, he did baseball. He's very well known in football. We've seen like some of the arm, a good amount of the arm strength he has. And it's kind of hard to really deny Murray on this, like to some degree. I'm going to go, st- based on career, though, I'm going to go stick with Luca. I am too. Um, but I will say for the football side, um, I have a two way tie. Okay. Because I thought the 2018 draft did yield some good uh, players. I had it a tie between Quentin Nelson and Fred Warner. I'll go Nelson. I'll, I'm leaning towards Nelson, too, because you can obviously see how special he is as a lineman. Um, the NHL one is Quinn Hughes. And just like the MLB one, you don't have many players in the NHL come in right away and tear it up. Quinn Hughes is a great defenseman, but he's like the third or fourth best guy on his team. So I have to say no. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go with Luca. RJ. Mm, I guess I'll just have to say Luca, just based on the fact that he is probably going to win an MVP this year. But, 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 I, I will say on a pure athlete thing that it might go to Kyler. Um, 2019. How, how many ways can I make this not Zion? <laughs> which is what is listed. Which is not even the best player in his own damn, you know, draft. I could actually give you two guys in the NFL who are better. Well, the the NBA guy that is better is Ja. Um, yes. The MLB, I'm 
pretty sure that none of these guys have even hit the big leagues yet. Um, no. So, yeah, that, that's a no. NFL, uh, I have a tie between Nick Bosa and DK Metcalf. Ooh. Oh, by the way, Kyler was drafted first overall in 19 in the NFL. That is true. So what year does he count? I actually, I forgot about that. Oh, um, Bosa or am I going to get, well, no, wait, oh, wait, never mind. Wrong Josh Allen. Wait a minute. No. That's the defensive Josh Allen, right? Josh Allen is 2018 if you're thinking of the quarterback. Oh, the quarterback is 2018. The linebacker. Yeah. I guess I'm going Nick Bosa for the NFL. I think. I am going to go off. Although DK is, you know, (sighs) a freak. I'm going with DK for the fact that, A, he has not had the same injury history as Bosa has. I know it's, like, very early in. But, but, oh, my God, that guy goes 22 miles per hour. All right, yeah, fine, I'll go with DK. Um, NHL, I ha- I'm going to say it's Capo Caco for the okay. Rangers. Capo Fun name to say, by the way. Capo It's uh, very fun to say. Uh, so overall, DK or Jaw? Jaw. I'm ja. going to go DK on this. Oh. I might be going DK. Because where was DK in the playoffs, though? Uh, yeah, but oh. I mean, his first playoff game was pretty damn good. Didn't he but set running, like a record for receivers? But, but running down, well, he means this year. But running down Buda mm. Baker did happen. But I guess I shouldn't put that much weight in one foot. All right, yep, yeah, I get. Oh, I'm gonna switch. I'm gonna go with Jaw. Um. All right, 2020. The sheet says, oh, my God, I forgot his name. Wait. Justin Herbert. Oh, Jesus Christ. I was thinking it was Nick Bose's brother. No, wait a minute. I'm four drafts backwards on that one. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Justin Herbert, the best one so far for 2020 drafts. Yeah, well, (sighs) He's really the only one we've seen. Chase Young? Now nah. that... Herbert. Oh, that Justin is good. Jefferson? <sighs> no one in the NBA. Uh, the only one I got in the NBA is LaMelo Ball. No. Well, not over Herbert. NHL? Yeah, and I'm going to say NHL is Tim Stutzel. Which I loved him, Stutzel, and everything I've seen, but I've only seen him in like 20 games. So, not even. So, it's going to have to be an NFL guy. Yeah. Um, 
which is either Justin Jefferson, Justin Herbert, or Chase Young. I guess, well, you know what? I'm going to take Justin Jefferson. Because I think he had the better rookie year. I'm going to go Chase Young because of how, because first off, Herbert didn't play the full season, but it's also because he have how he got the position. Yeah, that's true too. Like Chase hey, Young was a pencil lock in to start. And hey, I do think Burrow would be it if he didn't get hurt. I absolutely agree. Because he's already in the top five, I think, for the NFL. Mm-hmm. So if he doesn't get hurt, then by far and away, like, he is absolutely in there. All right. RJ, round us out, bud. I got to say Justin Herbert. He was phenomenal this year. All right. Can I change my 2017 pick, though? Yeah, sure. I'm going to say Kevin King, because Kevin King is just so awesome. (laughs) 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 All right. Minkley changes from Patrick Mahomes to... Green Bay Packer legend Kevin King. <laughs> you know, I swear to God, RJ, you know how last year, like, it was Devontae Adams on Trey Flowers? Mm-hmm. And every time I watched that, I legit wanted to throw something at the TV or throw the TV because <laughs> Trey Flowers can't cover. That was Kevin King versus Mike Evans. <laughs> Like, now you knew how I felt the year prior. (laughs) Oh, by the way, they had the same referee in Green Bay both games. But, no, you know what, though? Maybe maybe it should have been Patrick, or uh, Patrick Holmes. Maybe it should have been Mitch Trubisky, the highest (laughs) taken of those quarterbacks. (laughs) Who's not even going to be back on the team that drafted him now. <laughs> I hope. Please, Bears, don't do this to me. And another guy, I mean, speaking of 2017, I mean, a guy we didn't really talk about that was drafted that year was TJ Watt. Um, that is true. Not over Patrick Mahomes, though. Well, I'm not saying over him, but I mean, we, I'm just saying because, I mean, we didn't, like, even like, mention his name. Oh, yeah. That is true. Hey, Jamal Adams is pretty good, though. Well, yeah. When he, Wait a minute. When what year was J.J. Watt drafted? J.J. was 29, I think. Oh, 29. Okay. Well, uh, I think Mike Trout might have him beat. Uh, just Actually, I don't think Mike Trout's the best from 09. Oh, my God. Okay, now I have to hear this. I'm surprised, like, it never registered in your head. That's the same year Steph Curry was drafted. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Yes. Mike Trout. Uh, all the way. Kind of got to go with Steph here. Absolutely. All the way. RJ, uh, Steph Curry or Mike Trout? Steph Curry. What? <laughs> hey, you're the baseball guy. I watched, uh, uh, I watched Steph Curry own the NBA for like five years in a row. 
Well, Trout's been the best player in baseball for longer than that, or for that amount of time. Yeah, but he's been on the Angels and he's done nothing. So you can't say he's had the better career than Steph Curry. He's won three NBA championships and two MVPs. Including the first unanimous. Oh, that unanimous thing is such bullshit. How? There were plenty of guys before him that should have been unanimous and people are just stupid. Well, that's the thing. Like, that's the first ever unanimous MVP vote. In the NBA, so... Yeah, because they decided not to be a bunch of a-holes for no reason. I mean, but what do you say to the guys prior to that? I mean, even Jordan's 72-10 and 10 season, like, that never happened. Like, like, another, like, the... Like, the stupidity of baseball. There was a guy who said Derek Jeter wasn't a Hall of Famer. And that's that guy's fault. <laughs> like the we can't have anonymous things is dumb. Um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, I would think that that would be it for this week's edition of The Fixins. I can't imagine you guys have anything else. No, I was actually going to ask, do you want to do the final of these like later on in another week or what? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We can we can do the rest of these. It's just like I said, I wanted to shorten up, wanted to choke up on a bat here. It's been two and a half hours, and I need to go to bed in another half an hour. Um, so uh, so yeah, um, I'm gonna go ahead and start uh, with Minkley's plugs, and we will get out of here. So Minkley, go ahead, my friend. Well, as everyone knows, or if you've yet to know, I write on jdsportscorner.wordpress.com. There should be an article coming up sometime about the midway point of the basketball season. Um, we'll have some thoughts about some of the other teams around the All-Star break, I'm guessing. Uh, I do Pro Talk with Wesley Woods. We've just officially launched our podcast. We're going to have to create a Facebook page for that, too. And speaking of Facebook pages, I do run the Sports Fixins Facebook page on Facebook. So if you ever want to message the sports fixings Facebook page, or you want to get some thoughts off or want to find, or you want us to talk about some, something different, you can hit us up on there. Uh, RJ Larson, where can people hear your beautiful voice? Well, uh, basketball season is unfortunately over, but you can also catch me calling love and football this year. Wait, basketball season's over already. Well, for me announcing. Oh, they have one more series at Oral Roberts, and then they have the Summer League Tournament. You know, I'm so proud of you, RJ, for not getting into a broadcasting situation like what happened in volleyball. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about that after the air. <laughs> yeah. The other reason I'm trying to rap, because I need to hear a story. Um, all right. Uh, but can't they hear you on Mixler or whatever for football? Or, is, or are you not doing that? No, you can hear me through Mixler on the Love the Next Sports Network for Love the Next Football this season with Dr. Tom Cody. Watch Western win the Missouri Valley this year. And then... Um, I mean, I know you kind of have to say that, but... You sure about that? Oh, yeah. Connor Sampson's going to the league, man, so... Oh, God. 
he's still the quarterback this year? Yep, he's the starter. After that? Oh, Lord. Did they go winless last year? Yes. That's hilarious. No, they won. They beat South Dakota. Hmm? They beat South Dakota. Oh, that's right. One win. Not not zero. Still, uh, they still wouldn't have fired Jared Elliott either way. We're going to beat Missouri State week one. We'll be 1-0. And yeah, with as many game. wins as last year. <laughs> You're not going to win a game the rest of the year. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're just going to cash it in after week one. But hey, you should have a fun, fun time with Duck Top Cody, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you you should have a good time with him, and, and those will be some uh, some good broadcasts. And um, unlike my memory as far as basketball games goes, uh, you know, football Saturdays, I'll probably be able to remember better. So I'll, I'll maybe turn in for tune in rather for as much uh, as much leatherneck leatherneck hard hitting football action as I can muster my brain to put itself through. Um, and my plug, uh, no marks allowed podcast out this week, two new episodes out this week. The one, the one that we taped last week and then the one that we taped this week, both of them out this week. Uh, also, other things going on. PBE, recruitment soon, minors draft in like a week. So if you want to sign up and, and make a player, that would be great. I'd absolutely love to have one of my listeners on my team. Uh, yep. Yeah. Um, and that's it for me. So uh, as far as this goes, we are done. So I just, unless anybody has anything else, I just want to say, everybody, stay safe and stay healthy. Wear a damn mask because, Please. you know, you still need to do that and don't infect the whole planet with COVID more than it already frickin' is. Um, <laughs> stay safe, stay healthy, and have a good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And uh, bye-bye, everybody. Mike, can I say something really quick? Yeah, sure. I was just going to say, if you're listening to this and you're from Texas, learn how to deal with snow. Well, no, that's the Texas government that needs to learn how to deal with snow, not necessarily the people. All right, bye-bye. Yeah, they got Wheelie over there who's cutting off people's power for fun.